The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydacat, and you can find me at Rydacat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sounds like you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Cooking raw with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need y'all to roll. Yeah. Um, we are the Combo Chronicles, and we, um, we bring you this here program from none other than the Coles of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.NewUS. Do it today. I don't know why I decided to change that, but hey, here we are. Um, <laughs> you can also find this here podcast on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coles of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on the the, um, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. Uh, that's youtube.com slash the, the, the Click Nation. And twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to click like, subscribe, uh, click the notification button, and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, pretty Please, with an inferno on top. Um, <laughs> all of that. So, folks, uh, we are going to get into this week's comics. But first, before we do any and all of that, we got a nice little recap of, or well, a spoiler-free, spoiler-light recap of this week's uh, What If Episode 8, the penultimate-ish episode. Right, and what we're starting to find out is that the last basically 2.2 or 2.1. And the reason why I say 2.1 is that the very ending of episode seven ties into episode eight tangentially. And now we have episode eight and it's going to roll right into episode nine. So we're, we're seeing that the, the, there's the last third, you know, and less than we have, it, you know, it's like, let's say it's like two point, you know, whatever episodes are, are going to be interrelated and crossing over. Yes, there have definitely been seeds of, well, we already know where the seeds of what have been um, building up, but we've definitely between the last issue, or the last, why well, I keep saying issue, the last episode 
and and um, I guess the Dark Strange one. We've definitely um, seen some of uh, this coming, <clears throat> or or some. Well, of them. I was about to say, yeah, that's definitely a minor spoiler here in this episode. So. Essentially, what doesn't seem like it's going to be a direct crossover unless you saw, obviously, the ending of Episode 7, right? Mm -hmm. So the title of this, and this is at least a minor spoiler, um, the title of this What If entry is, What If Ultron 1, Exploring a Reality Where Ultron Actually Succeeds in His Plan for World Domination and Destroys the Avengers as a Result of What Happens in Age of Ultron. Yes. Um, and, and just very quickly, we actually don't get a, a, a big recap of that movie. Instead, we come right into... Um, we come right into the reality where uh, uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye are basically uh, the last Avengers standing, and they are trying to find a way to stop Ultron. Right, yeah. We basically, uh, like you just said, we kind of hit the ground running already in the thick of stuff, so it was like, you know what, no no need for preamble on this one, and then they kind of go back and um, kind of get They're from capital here. Over. Yeah, but in, in very swift strokes cuz you know um I guess from what I saw in the news section and we'll probably get to that later, you know, there they these what if uh, episodes could have been a lot longer. Uh but they they there was partially a choice for that reasoning sure. as to why they're not and I guess also to kind of keep with the books. So Makes sense, you know, keep them short and sweet and kind of keep them moving. Uh, but anyway, like I said, we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, so we kind of get into this and then we kind of come, you know, come back full circle, back into the thick of things with uh, with what going goes on. And we definitely do uh, get, we get a couple of, um, we get another MCU tie outside of Agent Ultron because, um, uh, a nice little beat from, I guess, technically you could say, definitely um, Winter Soldier uh, pops in to kind of be a deciding factor in this uh, going into the last part of it. But we also get a little bit of um, uh, Endgame. Or, yeah, I guess in Infinity... Uh, Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. In the same beats, so like I said, we're not without spoiling too much of it. But um, and but if you think about the, the characters we have just talked about, uh, and, and their roles in the last couple of movies, you kind of get what it, you you might get a sense of uh, how that's going to go, right? Uh, and then, like, actually, we should probably cut to the the, the most bonkers part of this. Um, uh, Bunker's part of this episode was which is going into the last part when right. basically Ultron um Ultron wins, right? Ultron but wins. Ultron right. right. Ultron winning involves um Ultron, you know, uh succeeding where he failed with regards to uh the you know his his plot his original plot in Age of Ultron was to to create a uh, this uh, the synthetic humanoid body right right 
In this case, he succeeds, whereas in Age of Ultron, he fails and we get the vision. Instead, in this case, that's that's the crux of the what if. Right. And, and not only with, that. By, go ahead. You know, what I was going to say is by Ultron winning, he also gains control of a, uh, one Infinity Gem slash stone. Mm-hmm. And using that, um, basically runs roughshod over the planet and... Also, marks a particular Titan who's already got a bunch of Infinity Stones slash gems. Right, so he ends up basically getting all of the Infinity Gems and basically um, uh, become becomes as powerful as you think one with uh, all of the gems would be. So that leads him into, uh, you know, being aware of the multiverse. And well, no, no, you jumped a little bit ahead because he starts to run roughshod after doing uh, after basically uh knocking off everyone on planet oh, earth yeah. decides to take his adventures to the greater universe right so right 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 so he pretty much the same uh, uh peace in our time mandate that he had for uh, age of ultron which apparently was not i don't know some people think that that whole dropping a dropping a um uh, uh dropping a, a meteor was supposedly what happened here. I don't know. Was this that was a secondary plan, and this was his, this was his original plan by nuking the old nuking the Earth. Which sure, either way, whatever it worked, whatever works. But yeah, he goes around the galaxy, screwing up, just messing up everything. Gets into a couple of fights. One particular with uh, Captain Marvel, um, um, you know, which goes kind of goes a different way. But then he starts getting aware of the multiverse at large, and therein, which is kind of which was funny to me because I saw somebody liken this to that um, that Will uh, Will Ferrell movie, to where somebody was narrating his life, and and he, and he happens to be uh, uh, he happens to be aware of it, or he gains awareness of it. I don't is know. that the Truman Show? No, that's no, no. the Jim Carrey movie. It's, no, no, that's the Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's really, uh, it. Was um, I can't remember. It's like Stranger to Fiction or something. I can't remember. But whatever. There's a Will Ferrell fan out there. I'm pretty sure who knows what I'm talking about. But regardless, um, I was about to say I'm like you know, spoiler alert. Agent underscore seventy is not the biggest Will Ferrell fan. <laughs> right. But um, but Ultron, but Ultron gains the awareness uh, to to sense the Watcher, Un, much like Doctor Strange ended up doing in in that episode, um, and then starts going after the Watcher, um, um, all the while um, um, Hawkeye and and Black Widow are trying to find the key to um, to to end Ultron on the Earth that uh, that bore him. Which was which was also kind of funny because the watcher was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can do it, you can do it. It was like egging them on, but they can't, but they can't hear him. So, but anyway, um, and that leads to a fight between uh, Ultron and the Watcher, and apparently the Watcher's got hands, as people keep saying, um, <laughs> and he and he kind of almost goes Super Saiyan, but it, but doesn't quite, uh, you know. See, this is where this episode kind of lost me. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, <laughs> because it's not something we've ever seen. Oh, Watcher, forget Uatu. Right, it's never wow. something we've ever seen a Watcher do, uh, at least in the comics. Yeah, there was a Rogue Watcher that kind of, kind of got into. Well, definitely. Oh, yeah, but in that's the a fear. specific. Right, that's a right. specific character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, it's implied here that this is Uatu. So I don't think we've ever seen Uatu 
you know, act in this way or act like he's capable of acting like this. I feel like we've seen so, him defend himself, but yeah, definitely not just getting to a brawl, uh, all out brawl. Right. So it was definitely, I think, jarring for myself. I don't know about Roddy Cat, but I definitely for myself, I was jarred. Mm-hmm. I, this is where. Uh, I was definitely taken out of my, you know, listen, it's animated, so there's obviously disbelief all throughout. But this is where my comic, uh, my comic book knowledge decided to creep up and say, hey, what the hell? Right. So I, I don't know about you. No, I didn't have that big of an issue with it because, like I said, one is a what if, two, well, the the thing I had a, a, a big issue with was the motherfuckers spoiling the thing. And excuse me, well, not even excuse my language. Just this is you know it is what it is. But people spoiling that art right after they saw it. Uh, well, I was about to say this is on Roddy Cat because he should stay off social media while one of these things are out. I disagree, but I, I understand people but shouldn't. Not, not you know, like people right shouldn't after, spoil right away. Yeah, not there like, used to like, be a rule about like you know twenty four hours. But, but some people that. have but stopped doing that. that. It was like the morning. It was like probably like eight, like eight or nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, that I morning. mean, I didn't watch it until lunch, so I hadn't gotten on social media at all to see. But no, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, but no, I shouldn't have to, especially that early. I shouldn't have to be. Uh, shouldn't have to do that when people's like being silly. And and people are gonna say, well, I, you know. No, that's not a spoiler. Yeah, it is. If it's something that... That's that kind of a spoiler. Know, it's very much a spoiler if you did not know. And, and you're putting screenshots of the fight. That's terrible. Or at least a part of the fight that, you know, or, or, you know, something... See, those are the fight. people you need to block. Yeah. And, and of course, but... Because I figured... Or, not people, fo- or stop following. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure if I am following these people, but it, it somehow came across my uh, my preview one way or other, and it was probably on News and Earth Need also, so that could have also been a thing. I don't remember. Regardless, it was a, that was a whole other thing. But to get back to the thing, outside of that, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really as, as um, um, sidelined by it with that because I was like, oh, okay. So because I was again, all right, now we're going to get to where they're going to start putting putting the, the the team together. So it's some cow that's going to happen. So. Sure enough, um, oh nice. Um, so I figured something was going to cause that, and since it was this this fight was going to be probably the best thing, is if if nothing else, especially given the fact that like yeah, we'd already seen you know this this Ultron in a past or uh, briefly in a past episode. So I was kind of just glad to see one the 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 watcher kind of getting in there. Two, you know, we're starting to get quote-unquote answers you know like we get some things that's tying stuff together because there's only nine episodes so we knew at some point it was going to happen and so the next one's probably going to be you know getting the rest of the team together and then whatever fight with ultron i assume um but like so that. basically yeah basically you know just to wrap the discussion on this you know we get to the point where the watcher is basically um the the watcher's basically at his wit's end. He's running out of options. And the option that he ends up turning to is a character from a previous What If episode. And we're not going to spoil it here. We kind of but, but, yeah. What's that? I said I kind of did already, but just... We... Yeah, we kind of, exactly. We're not going to completely spoil it. Yeah. But the point is, we we find another character from a previous What If episode making a reappearance here. Mm. And... It seems like what we were talking about earlier, the formation 
of, and we've seen articles about this, calling them the multiversal Avengers. And and it just so happens that there is a, a, a mainstream Marvel comic book that's being put out um, in De- solicited for December, if I'm not mistaken, that is going to um, uh, harp on that same theme, that play upon that same theme. So it seems like episode nine is going to involve this infinity stone slash gem powered Ultron being the main bad guy and uh, a group of some of the heroes from these, you know, it seems likely that it's some of the heroes from these, what if episodes being pulled together by Uatu to, uh, to combat this, uh, this great menace, mm-hmm. you know, there shall come a day, you know? Yes. I'm waiting for you. I was waiting for you to finish that up. <laughs> oh, no, no, because I changed it. Because I, I think it's There Came a Day, I think it is, as opposed to There Shall Come. Like but I can't remember the whole thing off the top of my head, so. Uh, understood. Regardless, it was a great episode, I thought. Because, um, like I said, it's kind of rounding us, rounding us um, to what we knew was coming. Right. I think the part where the, the part where I, where my, uh, my comic book knowledge decided to jump up and bite me in the butt like that bullet bit Forrest Gump in the butt was uh, something bit me. In the butt. Uh, yeah, it was a bullet. Um, yeah, uh, uh, which was, they called it a million dollar wound, but I ain't seen. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but yeah, it's that that's this particular bit where 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 Uatu starts to uh get 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 uh uh into some hand-to-hand combat. I think that's where they lost me a little bit, although I like the general premise. Right. Put the watcher in MVC. No. <laughs> no. Yes. We already got we already got we already had Ultron. You might as well go ahead and complete the set. Put put the watcher in. Let, let, let him mix it up in there. That's what I'm saying. Awesome. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we're done with what if episode number eight? I believe so. Uh, and no. we're going to transition over to... Audible. Um, real quick, we're really quick before we go into the comic book. So, so you already saw Star Wars Visions? Yes. Um, and I just finished watching the, the rest of them. Okay. So do we want to kind of do a really, really quick... Um, well, I think we kind of already talked about this last week, but like a really quick uh, uh, um, you know, impression? I mean, you can talk... I was about to say, you can talk about the rest of them because I don't remember them off the top of my head uh, like that. You know, like you, you watched the first what four or three? The first four, and then oh, okay, the so, yeah. So you can talk about the last five, and then maybe just your overall thoughts because I'll try to I'll try to catch up because it's been a while since I watched them now. Right. So I think well, so, I can safely say that episode five was probably my favorite because that was that was the one where it was like the um, there was like hey, this mysterious master magistrate person or whatever the case may be was looking for a Jedi. Uh, and they, he had, or this person had commissioned, uh, the Sabersmith to, um, 
to make some lifesaver lightsabers after finding Kyber crystals. Um, and is that the one with the Margrave? I think they yes, called it Margrave. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, that's a good episode. Yeah, and everything was not well. There were uh, some things that were not what it seems, and the light hold the whole hey the lightsabers um, uh, color attunes to what uh, you know what your affinity is, and that part is cool. I kind of wish that was actually canon. Uh, they, they could probably do it if they really wanted to, but they don't. Because uh, honestly, coming up, that's why I, what I thought you know how lightsabers worked, but you know. Uh, apparently that was not the case. Ended up no, or not, ended up not being the case. Uh, six episode six was pretty much. I feel like I want to call it Astro Boy slash Mega Man <laughs> because it was basically the droid that wanted to be a Jedi and his uh his uh um armless master, his armless maker or whatever the case may be. Um, and he ended up becoming a Jedi at, at, near the end of it, and apparently the power. Actually, was it within him all along? In a way, uh, actually, some the, the rest of them I'm not. <laughs> right, so I just pulled it up. So six is was, yeah, Toby, right? Right, that's Astro Boy one. Right, seven is the Elder. Yes, right, which is um, which is an interesting uh, episode because I for sure thought that Pod one was toast. Uh, me too. Um, um, yes. Number eight is Lop and Lop, Ocho, yeah. Yeah, and that is um, uh, uh, that's actually a pretty dramatic one because that's a longer one than the other ones, right? Because this is the one that has basically a, an adopted family member basically siding against the um, the blood relative, the blood daughter, but siding with the father against. Um, Against uh, 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 oh, there is a word for this. Against cooperating, basically, against cooperating with the empire, right? You know, yeah, and because uh, collaborating like, with the empire, really, yeah, you know. Yeah. So usually that would be like, hey, it's the younger person. It's like the the the, the father would have been the one collaborating, and the younger person, or something like, or some variation therein. Right. So it's the father who's actually against collaborating, and and the. Uh, and the uh, the blood the blood daughter mm-hmm. is actually for collaborating, and the adopted daughter, who the blood daughter actually brings into the family, turns out to be the one most loyal to the father and becomes worthy, you know, yes. of picking up Mjolnir. I mean, uh, you know, a blade. And uh, when I say blade, is this is Star Wars? So you know, we 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 talked about this last week. Or in the last episode, since you know we we recorded the last episode pr- uh, fairly recently, that um, the the majority of these uh, Star Wars visions uh, shorts revolved around lightsabers. Mm-hmm. So that's what this episode uh, ends up coming around, you know, as a as a as it relates to uh, you know a family blade. You know, which is a tradition in Japan when it comes to uh, katanas and whatnot. Uh, you know, those blades were uh, ancestral and heirlooms, so they were passed down. And in this case, this lightsaber was supposed to be passed down to the first, the eldest daughter. And it turns out that it ended up getting passed down to the adopted daughter. And the last one is um, – uh, a Jedi returning to uh, it's, a forbidden love to help defend 
her kingdom from a Sith-like Shogun. Yeah, it's basically what ends up happening. You might as well say that's almost Anakin, and and, and uh, in a way, what ends up happening at the um, at near the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, in a way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that one was actually pretty good too. It, so, it, so basically, the whole series ended on a dark note, even though none of them are connected, and and um, you know they're all pretty much anthology stories. Uh, I, overall, I kind of enjoyed it. Like I said, the, the fifth one is probably my favorite, followed by probably nine and the first one. I probably... actually liked. The, I liked the Lapinocho one. Yeah, that one was actually pretty good. I thought that was. I thought that one was so deeply Japanese. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're all deeply Japanese. Let's not, you know, let's not. Uh, Let's not beat around the bush here, but in terms of uh, you know the, the 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 family dynamics at play, right. I thought that one was you know deeply deeply uh, uh, based upon you know Japanese family dynamics at least in you know certain periods of Japanese history. Right. So, like I said last week, um, if you if If you, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan and you like anime or if you like anime or Star Wars, you know, either way, you might enjoy, you might enjoy these. Um, yeah, come in with an open mind. Just yeah. come in with an open mind. Yes. You know, we talked about this uh, in our last episode that these are not necessarily canon. Exactly. We don't know if that's how they're going to end up. Yeah, we but do. Yeah, no, I feel like we, we do know that. Cause like, I said, we, like we said last week, they're, they're pretty much of the world, but not in the world. Right, no, but in terms of when I say canon, we not we they may not be strictly canon, but just like Roddy Cat was saying earlier about hoping that they might incorporate a type of kyber crystal that responds to uh, the user's uh, affiliation as opposed to just being a you know uh, as opposed to being um, bled to go red, right? You know, so that would be interesting. That would be an interesting twist that they might introduce. You know, they might they might not take the stories and make them canon, but they might take concepts right. uh, from these stories. So we don't know yet. Yeah, you know, yeah. it'll be this will be a lot like the um, uh, the extended. They call it the extended universe, right? Oh, the the, the, the expanded the, universe. Yes, the expanded universe that's not canon anymore. But they've taken exactly, they, exactly. They'll pick and choose what they might like to incorporate. Yes. So you never know. Mm. You never know. But yeah. Now we can go into the comic books of the week. Um, and we said we we're going to start off with Amazing Spider-Man number 74, which, you know, this ought to be quick. <laughs> well, you know what's not quick? Is reading off the credits. So yes. let me get this real quick. Like, like we didn't start the fire style. That's a shout out to one of the uh, yeah, the short is. stories that's in this mm. that I actually don't think I have. Um, I don't think I cited the uh, uh, all the uh, the credits for the the multiple stories that are in this book. But uh, the main book. This is just the main story. Written by Nick Spencer and Christos Gage with pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, Mark Bagley, Zay Carlos, Dio Neves, Carlos Gomez, Ivan Fiorelli, and Umberto Ramos. Inks by Wayne Foucher, Marcelo Ferreira, Andrew Hennessy, and Andy Owens. Man, my typos. Um, Zay Carlos. One second. I got to fix a little typo there. Zay Carlos, Dio Neves. Carlos Gomez, Ivan Fiorelli, and Victor Olafaba. 
Colors are by Andrew Crossley and Edgar Delgado and Alex Sinclair. And letters are by VCs, our favorite Paisan, Joe Caramagna. So, um, I would rather talk about the We Didn't Start the Fire little bit at the end of the, you know, like the, the little short in one of the, um, you know, that talked about uh, uh, Spidey's history. But the main story oh, right. is the, the supposed story. culmination. Did you meet yourself, Roddy? I said, uh, yeah, I said, um, you might as well, because, I mean, you, this is better than the main story. Oh, no. So the main story is the culmination of 74 issues plus a bunch of giant-sized, uh, uh, basically, annuals, and a few you side, know, one-shots. And a few side, um, a couple of side one-shots and, and another event. Well, no, actually, that was in the 74, so yeah, and a couple of... Other one shots, right? Those, yeah, those one shots are basically like event, but like annuals, you know. Um, because we don't see annuals anymore, so you know, for the old school, you can call them annuals, you know, they're just you know, basically the culmination of the of of, of a a longer story arc, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, basically, this is the culmination of Nick Spencer's story. And you've heard me say it before. Rodcat may, in fact, echo my sentiments on this. This has been essentially a gigantic waste of time. Uh, Nick Spencer has contributed very little to the ongoing uh, Spider-Man uh, mythos and lore. Uh, he's done, I think, one relatively valuable thing. And that has been with the revelations at the end of this run, which essentially undoes, spoiler alert, I'm going to ring the spoiler bell right here. Spoilers incoming for the entire run of Nick Spencer, which is this whole kindred business was meant to be uh, an undoing of the Sins Past storyline. That was J. Michael Straczynski uh, uh, uh basic retcon that had Norman Osborne father two children with Gwen Stacy, right? Which turned out in this case to be some more machinations due to another retcon that Nick Spencer put in, which I'm still not so keen on because essentially he makes Norman Osborne out to have uh, uh, contacted uh, Mephisto a long time ago and sold Harry's soul to right. Mephisto. He basically had and, his own uh, brand new day or attempt to have a brand new day, whatever the case. Something like that. I don't know. It's all weird. Yeah, it's a little weird, right? And that's the worst part is that it's kind of hard to piece together. And the fact that we can't even piece it together after 74 issues is telling. It's a terrible sign. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what we have in this issue is what looks to be a sacrifice by what we find out is just another clone of Harry Osborn. What we get in this issue is basically Spencer putting all of the toys back in the two in the you know all of the toys back in the sandbox. That's what they call it, right? Or the toy box, right? So with with just that one exception of kind of resetting the since past storyline. Uh, he's brought uh, MJ back together with Peter, and that's really the 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 status that he's leaving this book in, with the one more day stuff still relatively intact, mostly intact. 
<clears throat> with Mephisto. You know, that, that whole Mephisto being behind a lot of the stuff that's happening in Spider-Man is still very much in play and very much hanging over this book like, I hate to say it, like a shadow. Well, like I mean, a specter. Right, and we've also seen that Mephisto is in other places in, in the in – because the, um, he's still – you know, the stuff he's doing in, in um, uh, the Avengers are still at play. So I, feel, I still feel – like there's going to be some kind of event that's going to tie all this together, or at least like I was telling Age of Seventy before the show, that's going to, at the very least, touch on this other stuff. Like um, in some kind of way, that's going to involve Mephisto. It very well could not. We don't even know. So, yeah, I think my frustration with this is that Spidey. Look, Spidey is the flagship character. Right. He's been, you know, he's the, you know, he's the one that everyone fights over movie rights for. Right. And at the character's essence, magic is one thing. Deals with the devil are something completely different. And I think that's where some of the writers wanted to move away from that, especially in the wake of One More Day. Mm-hmm. And they really tried to bury that and 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 dealt with other aspects of uh, Peter Parker's story, but one, every time they try to touch upon this and bring it back up, I get the heebie-jeebies and I feel like I'm not reading a real Spider-Man comic. I don't know about you, Rodicat. and Clone. So actually, that brings me to this because um, actually, in the backup story that um, um, uh, Spidey was like, do they even <laughs> do they even did they even like the clones? I don't remember. It's been so long. So, and, my, and part of my point in me bringing it up was the stuff that was retconned throughout this whole thing was stuff that was kind of already buried by time. Right. No one was thinking about Brand New Day, One More Day, or, one more day and, or any of this. So the fact that Nick, Nick Spencer decided to bring this back up again, like I said, modern readers modern newer readers of Spidey probably didn't know anything about what was going on. And like I just ever said, like we try to not, not even think about it as, as long time readers. Um, so the fact that it was brought up, now don't get me wrong, not saying that was a bad thing. Cause I'm like, cause I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm opposed to long form storytelling and, and, you know, having a long con, like we've, we've, we've sat through Hickman in the Avengers and, you know, and, and what's going on. X- and and Fox, yeah. yeah. And have enjoyed it. So it can work. It does work. And we came into this with a lot of promise. There was a lot of promise in here, but it, then as time went by, as we were saying, while we were talking about this thing, it just kind of kept going and didn't seem like it was going anywhere and just kind of kept adding stuff and adding other stuff and adding stuff that didn't really feel like it was moving things along, but just adding to what was going on. And right, you know, into- we got a little bit of a cameo from Boomerang, Spence, one of Spencer's favorite characters, and wh- what was the point of that? Who's now dead, by the way? So, right. you know, spoilers, spoiler alerts on that from a couple of issues ago. But, um, but to come to the into this issue, which pretty much ties back everything together, and as I just said, puts everything back in the box, and have it so nice and neat and clean, and also to the point of what we thought was going to be the case coming into this issue, even while being, um, could have very well happened in the course of this issue. I feel like, um, like it was kind of tied up one kind of nice and neat Two, like we felt pretty certain like, well, clearly Spidey's going to get taken out. So there, where he won't, that's the reason why he's not going to be 
into the fuck into the book after this. Come to find out, no, he's he's all right. He's full because he gets messed up in the course of this whole the, the last few issues, uh, and this issue also. But no, nah, he just kind of like he, he's all right. He's you no know, everything like this. Uh, the the cover as you can see on the um, if you're watching the video version, it's like no, nah, it's like yeah, him he and him they just kind of swing away. Like he's still bruising, but well, he, he he gets bruised at the end of the fight. But he is you know he gets fucked up at the end of the fight. But he still somehow manages to be all right. Um, and then I thought there was this whole Mephisto thing, like Agent 7 was saying, and the whole Doctor Strange and Mephisto thing, which is, um, yeah, like Agent 77 was saying before the, um, uh, before we started recording, it's like, like, what, what, was, was, was there some significance to, to what was going on there? Specific, specifically, right. the, um, a roulette reel role? Right. We don't, we don't actually find out what happens with the roulette wheel role. You know, it's not, it's, it's a lot like in, in, in fast five where, um, where Santos and, and, um, oh my God, what's the other guy's name? Um, oh my gosh, it just, it just dropped out of my head. But remember, they're playing, they're playing roulette, right? And they put 10 million on, 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 on red, 10 million on black. And it's implied that the roulette ball hits zero. So they both lose. Right. And I believe they they probably said that in another movie in a in a, a movie after that it was like yeah they lost their money and whatever but um I don't know or it could be that could be an also implied but yeah so it's it's pretty much like that um that being said like all right so this is over this is it and then we get um a couple of couple of um um backup stories not even backup stories it was a kind of um. I was like, I guess. Wait, is this because this is an anniversary? Because this is yeah, this is four seventy five. Right. So it's an you know it's an anniversary. It's an excuse for them to uh, charge you ten bucks for this comic. So they throw in a little bit of extra content. So the first backup story is uh, in is in memory of uh, Ben Parker. Uh, the stories by Christos Gage, with art by Todd Nock, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. It's a, you know it's a little tribute with uh, uh, an, un- an unbeknownst to us or unbeknownst to us prior to this story, uh, a former neighbor of the Parkers. Yeah, and Bill Murray shows up. What's that? Apparently, Bill, Bill Murray shows up. Cause that thing, cause I don't know. You probably didn't because you didn't look at it. Because when the character first co- uh, shows up, I was like, "Is that Bill Murray from Groundhog Day?" I didn't get that. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, is that something that is that something that people posted? No, I, that's what, oh, okay. when, I, when I saw it. When I saw the art, the like the, the the art for that character looks like Bill Murray to me. I gotcha. But I gotcha. you know, you know what's weird is that this didn't actually look a lot like Todd Knox's art, but I guess you know his his style is still evolving, right? It didn't look like Knox art right away to me. Right, you can kind of tell it in the noses and stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. It is a little bit different from what we know from what we're used to with him. Right. So, so you know that was a that was a, a nice little you know story about uh, you know Ben Parker's um, kind of a retcon of Ben Parker's effect on the people outside of the Parker household. Mm-hmm. You know, the people in the immediate. Forest Hills neighborhood that they lived in. Uh, the, what I was referring to, the we didn't start the fire bit, was about the there's a two page splash, uh, two page splash of uh, the history, the complete history of Spider Man by Sean Ryan and Gustavo Duarte, and uh, it gets to the part where they have to uh, rapid fire 
um, or you know, maybe we're need, we're maybe we're going to need to rename our rapid fire section and call it that we have to we didn't start the fire this thing because <laughs> because even I started to you know when I was reading this I was just like okay more Lun Spider Totem New Avengers Time Civil War Iron Spidey Man it's really hard to rhyme memories fuzzy here <laughs> I'm like oh my god I'm actually singing it right. But yeah, it was a nice little uh, uh, recap of, of Spidey's history. It was, it, that was cute. Um, and then, wait, there was a, there was a, one more after that, wasn't there? I can't remember what it is, though. Oh, yeah, the, the, the last one. Oh, yeah, it, the Ben Riley thing. The last one is the one that, that, that got us all in a huff, yeah. or at least myself. No. I don't know about Body no. Cat. No, no, you're because right. Because this is the kickoff. This is the kickoff to the Beyond storyline. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so and it we, brought in characters we were, you know, we were unfamiliar with because right, because neither of us were reading the Clone Saga and the right. adventures of one Ben Riley when he was acting as Spider Man. Right. So yeah. So we see this character and they're in prison and Beyond Court, you know, shows up. Something's like, okay, what's going on here? And then, um. Basically, spoiler, Ben Riley shows up because apparently they have history together and that's where it ends because they end up kissing and and they say, hey, next issue, because that's what starts up the whole Beyond thing and whatnot, which, you know, both Agent, uh, Agent 70 and I have been debating about whether we're going to stick around the book, I think, for uh, when that happens. Right, it's going to happen next week. It is. So we're probably going to read 75. And we might be keeping up with it, um, you know, tangentially. We might read an issue here or there. But it's not going to be at the forefront of our reading pile. Um, I may not. I'm probably not going to keep it on my physical pull list. Because it's essentially what I did when Ben Riley was around the first time as Spider-Man. Is I stopped reading the book. Yeah. So. Um, you know, my, 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 uh, my collection proves that. So, you know, we'll see how that goes starting next week. Come back to us then and, 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 uh, we'll let you know what we think. Yeah. Uh, so we can swiftly move on to the next book we're going to talk about, which is Inferno number one. Sure. So Inferno number one is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Valerio Schiti, with colors by David Curiel and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So just as um, and uh, by way of introduction to this, we the, the two of us tonight, the, the two co-hosts present tonight, um, you know, our, our, our other co-hosts are actually uh, messaging us behind the scenes about uh, uh, what they've been what they've been reading up until now. And um, the two co-hosts here tonight, you know, we, what we talked about pr- just prior to going on the air was our feelings on Inferno number one. And one thing that came up is at least my foggy recollection of everything that happened in House of X Powers of Ten. And so I think as we head into Hickman's, it's not necessarily closing of this era of the X-Men, but it's definitely um, his uh, I think it's the culmination of the story that he's been telling since Hawkspox. We may not see uh, the end of Krakoa 
at the end of, after this because you know it's a shame that this would only last what three years you know it's kind of like the the right. utopia era remember when they were on the island off of san francisco right you know it's a shame i i feel like this is a a status quo that they could keep uh and i think that's what they're going to do i think this is a status quo that they're going to maintain for a little while you know the island of krakoa and the medicine and the gates and all that stuff so. because they've done a good job of creating this right yeah, and I think we've said that coming out of Hoxpox because it was like it would be a shame if they did kind of do it with or Limbo, which that was crazy in itself, or even when they were in New York. You know, it's like they've been the the um, the, the X Men have been and the mutants at large have been pretty much in a lot of places. This one, like Agents of said, I do hope they kind of keep up with because it's it seems it seems prime for years of stories. Right, right. It's not temporary like the Outback was. Right. You know, like we knew that the Outback was temporary. Right. Um, you know, and obviously the the, the original the original setting being um uh the Xavier School, you know, has been done over and over again, so it doesn't it you know, it doesn't hurt to to have a little bit of at least location stability for 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 a bit. But uh but getting back to getting back to this book. So what has been uh you know, and as I as I said, just as a as a quick capper to 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 that is, um, I think it's going to be worth it to reread uh, House of X: Powers of Ten for myself as as a as a refresher um, as Inferno starts to kick into high gear because um, I think the first page of Inferno harkens back to the first page of House of X. Um, I like I was telling Agent Seven because I literally just pulled it up, right? You know, that's what I'm saying. So that's what what I was what I was telling you before the show. I think that whole conversation that we actually we didn't even get into the, what pretty much happened, but we won't really spoil it too much. But basically, um, well, the first sequence is actually is actually right. harkens back to House of X. Yeah, the first and, pages, yeah, right. And the conversation that we were talking about prior to the show was pretty much in there somewhere in in Hoxbox. Not not may not have been the first book, but it was definitely in Hoxbox. Um, but we just kind of get an abbreviated version of that uh, that conversation, which has pretty much been fleshed out here. Because I feel because I feel like I remember enough about Hotspot to remember that conversation actually happening, um, and thereby being the catalyst to this. Which at the time we were like, well, we knew they were going to bring this back up at some point. We just didn't know when or how. And here we go. And it's also tying together some other stuff, like with Orcus, the humans that are against, um, you know, that are, that are against um, Krakoans. Because um, you see a couple of other uh, things, people, that show back up. Which, speaking of, by the way, I've been asking about this. What's up with those uh, simian scientists? I don't remember them from anywhere. You got me. Okay, so good. I'm not the only one because I'm sitting here like, wait, what? <laughs> like, who are these people? <laughs> you got me. You know, because Orcus, remember, Orcus was, you know, uh, an amalgamation, a melding of several groups, not just villain groups. You know, there's members of, you know, there's like elements of S.H.I.E.L.D., elements of Alpha Flight, uh, elements of AIM and Hydra, all part that, that have all come together to form Orcus. So, uh, I don't know where the Planet of the Apes characters came from. Mm-hmm. 
You know, yeah. I don't know if that was one of the, 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 the splinter books that I didn't read. I don't know. Which is weird because I've read it and I don't remember them, so I don't know. But we also know that people like Halticulture kind of come up, popping up in here and so we do know they've, you know, where they've come from. Right. Um, so, but that being the care, that being said, a, a number of things from Hoxpox on have um, kind of come back. Out. The, the, the two main things are um, Myra McTaggart who we haven't seen in a good minute. Um, and her dealing, well, her, 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 uh, part in the way Kakora gets started and what she's doing behind the scenes, or not necessarily what she's doing behind her, so her part behind the scenes, basically. And, um, how she's feeling about, uh, her status at this point. Um, but also another thing from Hoxbox was like there was a there was a um there was a mutant that could put a whole kink in the plans um um uh, that Myra Myra had uh, run into that has now been brought back into the fold some kind of way which I don't know when when and or if that ha- when that happens <laughs> but I am very kind of, kind of curious about that but it's definitely going to be some um oh yeah that was a nice little uh, cliffhanger ending mm-hmm. because it was. It, it was something that, at least to our knowledge, was never supposed to happen, and they were trying to prevent it. Right, and they had been so. exactly. So the fact that it actually happened under under their noses, which a couple of things have happened under their noses, so that's I'm sorry. and I suspect it's probably going to fall back into um, a couple of issues uh, or past couple of issues because I know there's been some things with the five and them throwing things that the council don't know anything about. Right. So I feel like it's probably going to stem from some of that, but we don't get that just yet. Maybe the next issue. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to see what the next issue holds or what's going to happen in the the line of uh, X books that this is gonna this is gonna come through uh, to see what happens out of it because it was pretty good. I was just like, now I, I would go so so far as to say that Inferno also is a harkens back to an old '90s event. Um. I mean, in name only, really. Yes, in name only. Uh, but, you know, which is, yeah, which is the other thing that comes up is like, so is the Goblin Queen going to have anything to do? Because I know that's also been, she's also been a thing that's been brought up, but I don't think so. Because it's pretty much, it seems like it's centering on Mystique and what she did and, and this whole, the stuff that kind of got um, popped off in the Hoxbox that uh, could lay bare here. So I don't know, but regardless, like I said, I'm in for the ride so far. I'm uh, so uh, coming from this issue. Sure. So I think we can kind of go on from that. Think so. I think so. Uh, President Bartlett. What's next? Um. Hmm. Anything? Uh, I was about to say in terms of in terms of what we have in common. You want to do miles? Yes. All right, so we'll cover Miles. I don't know why Roddy Cat's so happy about it. <laughs> I like it because I, I enjoyed this episode, this issue of, of Miles. Is this because it's also his uh, 10th anniversary issue, apparently? Yeah, I mean, we're celebrating his anniversary, which is cool. You know, I wasn't so keen on the, the, the issue as a whole, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to it uh, right now. So the main story is written by Saladin Ahmed with uh, art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Coy Pettit. There are uh, backup stories. Uh, the second story is written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, Kent Powers, and Jeff Loveness, with art by Sarah Pacelli, 
and uh, Callers by Rochelle Rosenberg, and again, Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the third little brief backup story is written by Cody Ziegler with art by um, Anthony Piper and colors. No, no, just Anthony Piper's The Colors and Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So uh, take it away. So, yeah, um, the show straw is that, and this is, this is the thing that's happened a few different times, not just in this book, not just with Miles, but, you know, Miles is on his way to meet uh, Starling because they have a date, their first date at that. And, of course, he's in his new gear, which, if you were watching the video, you can see his new suit if you haven't seen it already. I'm still not sure how I feel about it, but it is what it is. Don't, <laughs> um... But uh, he's uh, swinging around and helping folks on his way to his... Because um, he just can't help himself. He's Spider-Man. Um, on his way to his date, which does end up happening. And it comes to find out that, um, you know, you know, he goes through his date trying to get to where, uh, trying to get to where he needs to be. And, um, you know, it's kind of late. But also, Starling is kind of late also. If you don't know who Starling is, Starling is the granddaughter of... Of uh, the vulture, Adrian Toomes. Uh, but she's not, I guess, technically, she's not a bad person. She's not bad. She's actually, I believe, she's gone into. Well, yeah, she has been working with the. She's worked with the um, champions, which doesn't really mean anything, but yeah, she's, she's, not, she's not her grandfather, put it that way. Uh, so they had their first date, and apparently they ended up, uh, they ended up meeting each other. But the, but the crux of the issue is pretty much Miles on his way to get to her and that's to pretty much wraps up the main story without giving a, a couple of things away which is not holding much which kind of did actually but it was it right was, i mean there's not much story. to it and that's right. kind of why i was a little disappointed right um what it is is a setup because it sets up with the cliffhanger left last page it sets up a confrontation between these two heroes with uh a character who uh, has recently seen the spotlight in an MCU movie. And it's not Wenwu. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, that kind of narrows things down a bit. But, uh, you know, that's fine. That's fine and dandy. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the next, the next uh, uh, follow, the, the next uh, uh, short story is the one I, I said earlier by uh, the, uh, primarily by the creators of the uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie with art by Sarah Pacelli. And it's also kind of a day-in-the-life type of thing. Yes. Kind of like, and, well, yeah, and, almost like the last one, the, the, the main story, but a little different. Right. And it's, you know, and, and there, there are cool bits here. There's nice little cameos by, um, by Marvel staffers in the comment section. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of laughed. I was like, so, so miles is a lefty. He throws lefty because that's the pitch that he's throwing. Right. Um, you know, and, and why on earth would he throw a pitch like that? That's just kind of ridiculous. I, you know, I know if it's for comedic effect, but that's just, that's just silly. Right. Um, I think that's part of that, that kind of, that it's, it's, it's little things like that that kind of turned me off. I was just kind of like, Oh. That's not that's not necessary. Just have him throw the pitch. Agent Seventy being the sports the sports fan amongst us also. Right. You know, that's just you know, I was just kinda like, oh that's that that's just silly. Um 
but also, and, you know, um, you yeah, know, other, you know, like all in all, I thought it was, you know, it, it's one of those, you know, those, those quickie again day in the life type of uh, uh, day in the life type of stories. Right. I thought it was fun. Not, yeah, nothing was, of real consequence. Right. I, yeah, I thought it was fun though, especially the the part where, oh, spoiler alert, uh, Mile um, hosts Saturday Night Live, but he bombs. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what did you think of the last story? Um. Let me refer back. I actually forgot about what happened in that last story. Um, pardon me one moment. This is the Ziggler story. Right, who's going to be writing part of the uh, the Spider-Man Beyond? Right. Oh yes. Okay. Now I remember. So I don't know. I thought it was alright. Um. Uh, 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 yeah, so it's basically like, hey, it's a future story, and could it be canon's future story? Maybe, maybe not, but we, it doesn't really matter, because it's like, um, you know, Miles kind of stopping a robbery, uh, and, and being a role model in a way, also. So Right, I mean, this puts Miles in his 20s. Yeah. That's what it is. Right. You know, it puts him in the prime of his superhero career. Right. I'm also curious and, about who the missus is that he spoke of, because I wonder if it is indeed. What's that? I said, I'm kind of curious, because he mentions in here, like, I got to get home to the missus. And I'm sitting here like, who is the missus? Like, is it Starling or is it Barbara? You know, I know. That's I, don't, a, I was about to say, I totally missed out on that. Yeah. Because, you know, like, and, you know, it's well, I, I think what it what, what I what I disliked mm-hmm. is a little bit of the. um the, the incorporation of slang. Hmm. I just thought it was a little too heavy. Hmm. It's not something I'm used to seeing with Miles. I mean, I figure like this is him relating to the kids in his twenties. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it happens. Like I really didn't think that much of it because like, like I figured like, it's him, you know, just him relating to the to, to the kids and him still being young-ish. Like, yeah, he's not he's not the age he is currently. In the in the comics, but you know he's still at a relatable age. I think that's why I was. That's why I really didn't think that much about it. I guess. So. Yeah, I kind of bumped on that. <laughs> you know, I bumped on that heavy, so I'm I'm not so sure how uh, his writing is going to be on on Beyond. Not that that's going to be an issue with Ben Riley, right. but you know, yeah, I'm kind of like, well, so how how uh, how is he going to treat? Uh, this particular uh, story, right? So all in all, like I said, I, there was nothing. There was not a. I mean, there was a little bit of action flicks. Or, I mean, uh, action going on, and but nothing of real consequence in this um, in this whole issue. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't always have to be. Like just a couple of fun stories, um, you know, and a celebration of, of Miles in his ten years. So I, like I said, I, I didn't really have a big problem with it. I just thought it was inconsequential. That's what I didn't appreciate about it. Yeah. I felt like this is a prime this is a prime place to start a new story and they did with the cliffhanger, but right. You know, it just it, it seemed like there should have been more to it. That's just my opinion. Sure. That being said, uh... let me take let me take shots while I can, you know. <laughs> Uh, that being said, uh, I guess we'll do one more book and then we'll do the rapids of the fire. Yeah, we're going to start the fire. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
Oh, wait, I need to see what you actually... Because I know we pretty much mostly read the same stuff. I mean, we can talk... I was about to say, we could talk Darkhold Alpha or Black Cat. I don't know um, if you got to Black Cat. I did, actually. Yes. Um, yeah, you know what? Let's do Black Cat because there's something in there I'm kind of curious about. So, All right, so let me get the credits out of the way and you can uh, go right ahead. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Sia Villa, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Ferran Delgado. Ah, nice and sweet. I love it. So, Well, it helps when it's a consistent creative team. That's what it's been mostly on this book. It's been these four, uh, these four creators. Yeah. Uh, sadly, this is the last, um, last issue of this book for now oh, this volume yeah yeah i guess there's going to be like a giant size apparently after this but this is it for for the for the time being for what we know uh not like i'm sure it's going to come back at some point uh but you know i don't know of any other events that that's gonna that's probably gonna come back with or whatever it may be, but nevertheless so we're still in the middle of this um i don't know if i want to even call it a heist basically uh it's coming out of the whole Infinite Destinies thing that I still haven't read, and Felicia's trying to gather these uh, Infinity Stone-powered, or, yeah, Infinity Gems-powered, uh, adjacent-powered-ish people for a reason. And apparently, uh, we found out this issue that... Uh, and I totally forgot about this, even though it was so so recent... Uh, Heroes Reborn kind of comes back into play in a way because right. Night, because Nighthawk shows up and who still remembers what happened then and he wants to you know he knows what she's doing so he wants you know right so basically uh, put, uh, just just uh, hold on to your thought right there I'll right. fill in a little bit of the blank uh, or a few of the blanks because the Infinite Destinies backup stories I've been keeping up with them for the most part, and they really haven't done a good job of filling in what this story, what this heist is all about. I think that's what the annual or the the one shot is going to do. Sure. And uh, they basically just relayed the fact that um, there are parallel forces trying to gather these infinity, uh, these infinity people. Right, they're not infinity gems anymore or stones. They're infinity people, right? So, um, wait, isn't there? Wait, what was the DC title? Infinity, Infinity Incorporated. Is that what yes. it was? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, the, so there's no there's no infringement there. It's just the infinity people, right? right? And uh, Felicia's uh, gathering them for one reason. Nick Fury's trying to gather them, possibly for the same reason, possibly not. No, I think he's just made that uh, Felicia stole Star from him. I think. Well, I think he also has. I think he also has some ulterior motive in this too, yeah, um, because because he's been uh, no because he's been uh, 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 duking it out with um, uh, Nighthawk as well, who oh, right, is the third character. Because that's what one, I mean, right? Because the backup storage, that's right. Okay, exactly. Okay. So. That's how you know we're not 100 percent sure, and it's Nick Fury. Even though, even if it is Sam Jackson, Nick Fury Jr., it's still Nick Fury. So there are ulterior motives here. So how that really, how you know what 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 his purpose is, and what Nighthawk's purpose is may be at cross purposes. But we know what Nighthawk's purpose, what his goal is, right. which is to attempt to use these Infinity People to restore the Heroes Reborn timeline. Right. Or reality. Right. Go on. 
Yes, uh, that was pretty much the crux of it. We come to find out. So the part where uh, uh, Odessa Drake comes in, and I know she's been kind of in and out of this book. Um, I vaguely forgot about her. Their standing with each other. I know they've had they've been at odds, and I remember part of the last or uh, last part where I think uh, Felicia stole her immortality or whatever the, whatever it was. Yeah, but don't you remember they kind of struck a truce? Yes, I do remember that. But I'm saying, right. but I don't know why there's, well, I, they just add odds with each other for whatever odd reason. Because uh, she, she mentioned, Felicia mentioned, you know, her place in this, and Odessa was mentioning her place in, in, in everything, and that, that was like, did I miss something? Or is just like whatever that whole thing is. Regardless, there there's that whole thing, and we get to the right. end of the, uh, the That's end of the issue. what I was going to say is that's McKay looking to develop the whole Thieves Guild in New York thing, right. which is still, I think, a quality story that should be followed up on. Well, we will see if that uh, if that happens, <laughs> if it gets a chance to, if it continues to get a chance to, because they keep stopping the goddamn book, right? Um, which, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's. That's the, that's one of the frustrating things about um, well DC, DC also well no Marvel's been doing this a lot more than DC has to be honest be uh, honest with us just starting books and stopping them with uh, starting restarting with tying them in with the events or whatever the case may be or just arbitrarily stopping those because of who even knows what some would say sales mm-hmm, mm-hmm. know why or for a reason but right. and and obviously it was uh, exacerbated by the pandemic so right. we have. In this book, you know what? I'll tell you, I was, I was, kind of broadsided by this announcement that mm-hmm. this was the last issue because the first thing I saw, I think, was CFV's Twitter post. I hopped on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, over lunch and I saw his post. I, 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 I it might have been the gram, but um, you know, he posted an image that he drew from this issue and said that it was the the next to last issue. And I was like, oh, snap, what's going on? And then when I got to the end of this book, when I was reading it later in the afternoon and in the, in the evening, um, you know, we get to what would have been the letters page and we get this little announcement that this is the last issue of the main series and we're going to get this giant size Black Cat Infinity score um, to, uh, to, finish up the, to finish up this particular volume right. and the story. Right. So we have no re- reason as to why this is happening, but here we are. Uh, right. And it's a shame because this is really one of the better books that's out there right now. Agreed. Um, you know, it's a consistent read. The art, the 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 the, the quality of the storytelling and the art together, right. and that's really what makes a good comic book. Right, and it's been uh, fun the whole time. Like you would coming into this, you you would have never thought like who would want to read a book about Felicia Felicia Hardy the Black Cat. Uh, turns out, yeah, it, it's, it was way better. You should than, be right. Yeah. You should be, and it's quality stuff. You know, maybe if more people go out and read and, and buy a, the trade paperback or buy digital copies, this is quality stuff. This is definitely one of those books where, if we ever do get around to doing a year-end show where we actually do awards, I'm pretty sure Black Cat is going to be uh, number one in the category. It's probably my nominee of books that need more readers. You know, that. anything that's anything that's written by Jed McKay with art, hopefully by Sia Villa, mm-hmm. you know, they've been rotate. They rotated uh, cover artists because remember, first it was uh, J. Scott Campbell and then it was Pepe Larraz. Right. 
So I don't mind that they rotate cover artists, but as long as CFV is looking to uh, willing to do interiors, mm-hmm. keep him and uh, keep him and McKay on this character because they're doing some bang up stuff. Yeah, yeah. For as long as McKay's got some got something to tell, and we know he's got he's picked up a, a few more books than than he had when Black Hat started. But hey, you know he's he's still doing right. He might actually he might even come up for um for um. For writer, and the um and the uh, urine stuff, the, mm-hmm. way, the way his stuff's been hitting. So, but anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that, and hopefully we will definitely get to that at the end of the year because we didn't get the one this year, um or last year. Now that I think about it, but hey, stay tuned, folks. Hi. Uh, anyway, uh, hey, I did mine. I did my yes. category. Agent Seventy did do. I'm looking right. at I'm looking at the rest of y'all, the three of y'all. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, things were things. Anyway, we are going to go into the rapid fire, folks. All right, we're spinning it up. We, we're going to, we, uh, I really need to, I think we're just going to sing it because I don't know if I really want to pull Billy Joel singing, We Didn't Start the Fire. I ain't got time to breathe. All right, so let me go, because I think we still have one more book in common. Maybe two. Two. Uh, Did you read Nonstop Spidey? Mm -hmm. Two. Okay, so uh, Good Asian number five of ten. This is from Image. It's written by Pornsock Pichetshot, with art by Alexandra Tefenki, colors by Lee Luffridge, and letters by Jeff Powell. So this is where the book uh, has decided to make a turn. We get halfway through, and guess what, folks? This is where some of the the uh, the lead character Edison Hark's history comes to the fore, and we get some more context into why things are happening uh, around this particular family that he's been adopted into. And I'll leave it at that. It's actually a really good turning point issue. This is like a high point of the series. We are halfway through. The next book is, and I didn't really read this because I own this book in its original printing. I skimmed it because I wanted to see what else they put in it um, and what, what what they might have changed. But they didn't change anything. It's, this is G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, yearbook number three. This is a reprint by IDW of the original Marvel printing from the fall of 1986 with a cover date of March 1987. It's written by Larry Hama. Uh, the main story is written by Larry Hama with pencils by Ron Wagner and inks by Kim DeMulder, colors by Max Scheel. And this is another silent story. It's not the Snake Eyes silent interlude story, but it is a play on that. And it is one of my favorite. I love these yearbooks. These yearbooks always had so much bang for your buck. They gave you so much bang for your buck back in the day. Yeah, they did. You know, they even gave you you know, one or two stories, and they give you a recap of all the issues that you missed in the last, you know, 12 or so months, you know, 12 or so issues or more that the that would have been covered between yearbooks. And that was valuable if yourself, like myself, weren't exactly able to keep up with a monthly comic book poll at that time. So those yearbooks were so great in that regard. Um, you know, I, uh, the cover art is by uh, Mike Zek. There's some pinups in there by Mike Zek. It's some really great stuff. Uh, next up is a Berserker 
number five of 12. This is published by Boom. This is, of course, written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kint, with art by Ron Garney, colors by Bill Crabtree, and letters by Clem Robbins. Here, too, is a turning point. We're not halfway through the series, but there is a turning point in this issue regarding the character of... uh, uh, I'm forgetting the character's name. I think it's like Unut or something like that. It's something... um, that is meant to evoke uh, a primitive man, a prehistoric man. And this is the the name that the character has. And um, the turning point here is the character opens up to one of the researchers that's looking into the character's uh, powers and past. And we get a little bit of understanding as to what is driving the character in present day, because spoiler alert, this character is essentially essentially immortal not truly maybe we don't know that yet but essentially immortal right this is i feel like we've talked about this before when we say that this is kind of like a valiant book um was it is it eternal warrior or what was the other one because i feel like the yeah. characters got a the the valiant's got a couple of characters because that's kind of almost immortal but also if you like me look at the 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 uh this book and say my love for you is like berserker then you are good people, and I like you. Anyway, all righty. Next up, this is a this is completely out of left field. I probably got sucked in by uh, uh, the title, and then I opened the book up, and there is a splash page in here that kept me turning the page. Um, I don't know if Roddy Cat's going to be able to pull that up. Um. Because you just got the covers, right? I do, but I don't think I get that one. I didn't expect anybody to actually read that one. But hang on, I can get that in. <laughs> <laughs> but give me a second, I can I can pull it. Well, you know what's funny about it is that it actually has a bunch of variant covers. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of them. You know, like the the main cover is actually by Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, you yes. know, there's a cover by Adam Hughes. There's a cover by um, there's a there's a photo cover with the model. So there's actually like an interesting group of uh, of artists that have uh, have, have uh, provided covers for this book um so it's the Sinkevich cover that kind of uh, got me interested but there's a splash page that I was kind of like oh, okay I, I I see I see you um but essentially this story is a great little independent story um it's about not someone who is looking for guns but it's the gun runner it's the person providing guns for certain or, or at least weapons for certain um, uh, illicit or tactical activities. And that person gets pinched by the gub meant, you know, who's got all the money, the gub meant shout out to 11 color. And um, I think, well, uh, uh, I forget the name of the skit. I'm pretty sure that was uh, David Allen Greer and Dave, Damon Wayans, but um yes. But uh, but yeah, there is a great uh, splash page here, and that got me that got me uh, uh, turning the uh, uh, turning pages on this. The creative team on this is Charles R. Die as the writer. Uh, unknown to myself before this, but I made sure to follow him on Instagram. The artist is Ang Hor Ang Hor Kang. 
based out of Malaysia. Uh, colors are by Asifur Rahmani, and letters are by David Leach. So this is by Hard. This is published by Hard Case Crime Publishing. Oh wait, I thought it said Titan. I think this is a. I think one of their imprints. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, I did pull up the uh, the um, the. Um the cover um at first because i saw the cover i was like wait is that gal gadot <laughs> and also so gun honey made me think of a the, thinking it was more anime for some reason not i mean the name anyway because i feel like there's a name there's an anime that's kind of a, of a similar name mm-hmm. but yeah but you're enjoying it so far well, yeah, I mean, I got a kick out of it. We can talk about it more after we get off, uh, you know, after, you know, after we end the show. Sure. But, also, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I'm going to try to keep up with it. Hopefully we keep uh, getting copies in our uh, uh, in, in our review copies. Right. Also, it looked like the All right. showed up from what I saw from that, that uh, second page. What's that? It looks like the Baroness showed up from what I saw from that second page. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That second splash page is like, yeah, okay, I'm going to keep turning the page. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and, and, and the protagonist is Asian, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see an Asian artist draw Asian uh, characters and, and to see how they still, uh, you know, how, how like an American comic influence uh, comes across. Um, uh, moving on. Uh, next up is Darkhold Alpha Number One. It's written by Steve Orlando with art by Sion uh, Torme, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So this is a long delayed, uh, resolicited a couple of times miniseries, which uh, features the reemergence of uh, the Elder God uh, Kathan or Chathan or Kath- I think it's Kathan. Help me out here. I've always said Chithon, but I've, I've I've never heard that out. So, so either way, that works for me. Right. Well, yeah. Exactly. It's one of those things. Like you know, if you've never had to hear someone say it out loud, you just sort of figure it out on your own. But um, but essentially, what we have is um, kind of the uh, the 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 other two magic users in the in in the the mainstream Marvel universe that aren't part of the uh the the strange academy per se you know <laughs> everyone that we know because i don't think wanda is yeah, is yeah, wanda part of the strange academy yeah, yeah she's a teacher okay so I, i'll have to amend what i just said because uh i i thought that i wasn't sure if she was uh, on staff at the strange academy mm-hmm. but we get we definitely get um um the main uh tie-in character to Trithon. You know, because you know, Wanda is, of course, has be- has been in the past a conduit yes. for Chathan in in previous stories. And when I say the other magic user that outside of the Strange Academy, who could that be other than Victor Von Doom, the the, uh, the ruler, the king of Latveria? And of course, what does what do we find is happening? Doom is looking to unearth none other than the Darkhold, the namesake of this, you know, the, 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 the basically the eponymous book. And all sorts of shenanigans have to come up because of Doom sticking his nose where it doesn't belong in, in, in the pages of the Darkhold. And, 
as the uh, the 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 person most familiar with the Darkhold, it, it's up to Wanda to figure out a way to um, uh, uh, combat the coming of Chathan. And there is a plan here, and uh, it involves uh, getting essentially five avatars of uh, of certain character aspects to uh to combat chathon and uh it all goes sideways at the end of the issue right because doom being doom thinking no nah, i got this don't worry about it i'll take care of all of this that doesn't happen and then they end up having to do like agent seven it just says um one of the things that kind of struck me about this was that apparently wanda is having to deal with two people uh, that she didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore because of a long time readers would probably possibly know that uh, Wanda and Victor Von Doom had some, uh, I guess you could say intimate dealings. She technically, he technically used her. And, yes. Um, yeah. D- during around the, I guess it was, was it after House of M. It was Children's Crusade. It was Children's Crusade. I know, but I'm saying, but was that after? Was that after or before uh, House of M? I can't remember. Regardless, um, Children's Crusade... That's an excellent question. Right. Because I, I know it was definitely on one side or the other of that, uh, of that event, but I can't remember which one. Um, that excellent question. I do not know the answer to that. Holy cow. I want to say it was after. Um, but, again, I'm not sure, and I would have to go back and check. Regardless, Children's Crusade is when they had more, more, more personal dealings with each other. And of course, as Agent Seventy said, um, uh, uh, Wanda has had uh, has been a conduit for Chitan back in the classic days of the Avengers, um, right? So right, yeah, she so knows, she kind of she right, knows, so, knows a thing or two about the thing or two about the, about both of them, right? I just wanted to add a quick note. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, I was just going to say that I'm kind of curious about, because we know, as you said earlier, that um, this was something that we both said that was going to, this is like, like pre-COVID or, or at the, the early end of COVID. Yeah, the well, early, yeah, like this was like the, 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 the spring, I think, right. of 2020. But I, I, so I, soon after, I think, uh, uh, soon after, I think they, 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 they wanted to solicit it. Right. And then they just kept having to push it back. And I'm kind of curious if they had to make any art changes because now that I'm thinking about it, or or maybe it kind of still fell in line. Because if you remember correctly, the art for Victorious in this is in line with what's, what's happened in recent issues of uh, Fantastic Four. Which, granted, it's been a couple of issues, so... I mean, it's been a few issues since that, that happened, but I feel like... That's a good point. I was wondering about that. I was like, wait, when did that happen? Right. So I feel like they might have made an art change or maybe there was something that was already in the line and they said, like, I don't do this. But I feel like, yeah, they might have had to go back and make that change. Yeah, it's a subtle change. Right. You know, it's a subtle change. That actually, I bumped on that because I was like, wait, I don't remember when that happened. I'm going to have to go back. It's it's recently because right. obviously it's right after the wedding. Right. But being how, but being when this was supposedly going to uh, originally be released was like we just said it was kind mm-hmm. of slightly well before that, so that's kind of interesting, right? And also, we're not sure when this falls in the current timeline because of Doom's actions in the pages of Guardians, and because of Wanda supposedly being dead or not in the pages of X Men, right? And the trial of Magneto and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say though, the one thing I wanted to add was it's nice to see Black Bolt 
um, get a little love because I feel bad for the Inhumans. I know a lot of people like to poop all over, you know, just like uh, Triumph, the insult comic dog. They like to poop all over the Inhumans. I actually don't mind the Inhumans. I know that they have a very problematic past, you know, um, in, in the sense that, um, you know, the, the whole concept of the, the, the Inhuman royal family and the, 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 the caste system in, the, uh, in, in Adelon is, uh, is, is, is difficult for everyone to kind of um, reconcile. But I'd always, I, I always roll with the, you know, I always ride with the with, with Black Bolt. It's such a great, you know, if they if they use him well, he's such a great character. Right. Which you know, shout out to Saladin Ahmed in that miniseries. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, but also it kind of goes back to yeah, because I think that ended before COVID, what, like probably a, a little bit before COVID. So I figured they were kind of on the back end of using the, in, the humans in Black Bolt, which is why he was probably involved with this book in the first place. I guess. I what are we know. talking about? The Black Bolt Black miniseries? Bolt. That's over a lot, a long time ago now. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is when this was originally supposed to come out, like this was like the at the tail end of when they stopped. Well, this was the tail end. Well, of they have, they stopped. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the so. you know, the what 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 I was getting at is they really have put the Inhumans on the back burner. Right. Now yeah, that uh, Disney has reacquired the X-Men movie rights. Right. And obviously with the with the uh, the rise of Hoxpox um, to kind of like the forefront of the sales, um, the, 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 the sales numbers, they've really just ignored the humans. And I feel like, um, they should really may, you know, they probably can't support their own series, but at the same time they should, you know, feature some of these characters more because it's a crying shame. You know, a lot of them have had major dealings with, you know, the mainstream Marvel universe. Right. And, you know, we're not seeing Crystal. We're not seeing Medusa or Black Bolt or Lockjaw. Well, seeing, we're actually seeing more of Lockjaw than any of them. Right. Well, we have. Anyway, we haven't really seen him that, as much as we, we used to. Because, yeah, when he was showing up in uh, Ms. Marvel. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, the Pet Avenger stuff. Right. But, um, but you know, but in, in, in any event, uh, do you have anything else for uh, Darkhold Alpha? No. I'm just kind of curious right, where so... Yeah, let me hop over to Nonstop Spider-Man number five and the cavalcade of uh, creators on this because this has been a uh, a delayed book and I'm starting to figure out why. And we were lied uh, to. What's that? Go ahead. <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of, and I, I get where you're. I you know get what where you're, what, what what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. This book, Nonstop Spider-Man number five, is written by Joe Kelly with pencils by Chris Boccolo, Corey Smith, and Gerardo Sandoval. Inks are by Tim Townsend, Wayne Foucher, Corey Smith, Victor Nava, Victor Lazaba, and Gerardo Sandoval. Colors are by Jim Caralampidis. That's a Greek name for you. And Chris Sotomayor. And letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Hey, I, 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 I know lots of Greek people, so that's why that one actually rolled off my tongue. But, um, yeah, so we get kind of a weird uh it's not an ending right it's a weird twist to where this story was going right and the whole baron zemo thing there there's a there's a a turnabout there's a you know there's a, a double cross a betrayal here and and an introduction of a new group of villains as it were that basically double cross uh, Baron Zemo and Spidey basically gets caught in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Spidey is also exposed to this um, this chemical that uh, or this narcotic that is, you know, what he's been trying to stop over the first four issues of this book. And, while, you know, all of that is is going on. And we we get to a point at the end of this issue where there is a reason for a change in the title of the book going forward. Which maybe says something about Bacala's art because this this drug when uh, when squashed or gotten rid of in this issue and some issues before this or whatever the case may be looks like a bodily fluid. That's not unsettling. But um, that being said, so yeah, we now that I think about it, I feel like what they've done with this book is as kind of akin to what they've been doing with the Ultraman books and I realize I'm the probably only one of us that's been reading those they basically get to a point and then like oh this is going to be this is an arc in, in the end of an arc but then we're going to make it into a new miniseries uh, unlike the Ultraman stuff uh, this has a pretty significant enough change to Spidey himself uh, coming, going, coming out of this issue, and I had to, I, I kind of groaned all the most because I was like, "Wait, didn't we see this stuff in Spider? Didn't we see this in Spider Island or something?" <laughs> like, like, why is this happening? To, to, you got me. But apparently, yeah. So apparently, there was a swerve and a and a and a, a cursor inevitable portrayal, like Agent Seventy said. So that ends this. Uh, that ends this arc in technically book. And it's going to get renamed into another. I guess I'm going to assume Savage Spider-Man is going to be the name of the book, from what they were saying right. at the end of this. Right. And I don't think we saw it in the December solicits, so that means it's probably coming in January or later. Probably. Sure. Right. So, yeah. but um, but you know, because you know, we 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 have we have in our hands the uh, the physical uh, December solicits. Uh, you know, they're I think they're over my shoulder. Yeah, I haven't really you know. We we talked about them in the news, and um, uh, you know I, I I'd only flipped through them a little bit uh, because a lot of it is just Spidey Beyond stuff that I'm not I'm not all that interested in. But um, I don't recall seeing anything about Savage Spider Man, so my guess is that it's going to be uh, that it's probably going to be a January book. Sure. Um, but getting back to um, this book here. Um, I'm disappointed, to be honest, because I like the idea of, you know, the nonstop kind of, you know, what did what did we call, what did uh, 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 PC and underscore dirt call it like uh, Spidey uh, in 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 the Crank movie? I feel like yeah, we yeah yeah I don't well yeah we we that's definitely been said between between a couple of us uh, on this yeah. and this but yeah and that's where it seemed like it was going to keep going but. Yeah. Which I would have enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, a couple of... I would have enjoyed it because it was just one of those things that you don't get in the Spencer books. Right. So, and, and the, at the end of this issue, they were like, well, yeah, we kind of lied to you, you know. And then they go into the whole name change because of the, what happens at the end of the book and, and whatnot. So, technically, it's not stopping, but it is stopping. <laughs> right, right, so right, 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 exactly. Um... Exactly. So it, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It, it's very kind of weird. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This book, this book, like I said, there, there's been some art 
I mean, that art, uh, well, there's been a couple of art shoots, but um, there's been some writing choices with the characters that I haven't really, that I've kind of hit upon. During- oh, yes. Yeah, one of the things that I had a problem with uh, Cody Ziggler in that, in that Miles issue. Right. Um, we had, you know, a characterization of Baron Zemo in, in the earlier issues that just seemed off. Right. So, and that, so- and that kind of, that kind of, gets tamed down a little bit into this uh, issue, but still, even coming out of this and knowing what they're going, I, what they're assuming they're going to do with this going forward, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, I'll probably check out the, the next issue, but I don't know if I'm a, um, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna stay on this, whatever this ends up being. Mm-hmm. Unless, it, unless it ends up being something, you know, um, interesting. Well, it's too soon to sell. Anyway. Yeah. All right, last but not least for me is Thor number 17. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Michelle Bandini, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So there's actually a bit of a reckoning here between uh, the, I guess, the, um, the, the, the immediate family of Thor, uh, because we get, you know, what we find out in the last issue is that Angela has called basically a family meeting between Freya herself, Angela, and um, uh, Thor and Odin. And they basically, in this issue, kind of hash out some of their issues. And there is uh, a take, uh, or at least a version of a battle cat, which is, I think, something that Roddy Cat will enjoy when he flips to it. Oh, nice. And uh, ultimately, there is... Maybe not a resolution to the whole Phoenix as Thor's mother, because it is, but it is touched upon, okay. you know, and in, in one of those classic, you know, storytelling tropes of, you know, it, it doesn't matter who your biological mother is, you know, and we already, we already knew that with Freya anyway, because in the mythology, she was never Thor's mother anyway. So that's essentially how it's treated. So if you're not a student or or, 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 or not familiar with the original Norse myths, we essentially follow the same track. But, uh, but ultimately, uh, the cliffhanger at the end of this issue, I think, leads into the next story arc with um, Mjolnir uh, kind of suffering the same fate as Captain America's shield in the United States of Captain America. Huh. Okay. So... Because um, remember, the, yeah. they, the 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 enchantment that that prevented people from picking Mjolnir up was on the Fritz. Okay, gotcha. Question: You mentioned Angela. Has she actually been a part of this book, or she just happened? Because I'm like, wait, she's been a minute since I've heard that name. Uh, we really haven't seen too much of her right. since War of the Realms. Right. But that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was long enough. <laughs> in comic, in comic, in, in, you know, in comic books, that's kind of long enough because that was like last year. Well, no, wait, was that late? Was that earlier this year? Or last year? It doesn't matter. But it's been a while. Right. It's hard to listen. Our sense of time is all off. Hello, yes. pandemic. Right. So, but ultimately, you know what Roddy Cat said is probably closer to the truth than what I think because it probably has been a while since we've seen Angela in any sort of prominent role. She probably has been in Thor. I just can't recall. Um, But I remember the last time we really saw her prominently featured was during War of the Realms. I'm thinking about the Guardians, but yeah, that's true too. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. No, but I think War of the Realms was after Guardians. Yes. 
Well, after yeah. her run of so. Guardians, yes. Right, 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 right. So, all right, that's it for me. Take it away. All right, here we go. Once upon a time, a lot longer ago, there was this book called Transformers Shattered Glass, number two, as I bring up the books. Come. Bink. So, um... Wait, did you do... Never mind. I, 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 yeah, okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um... Creative team, writer Danny Lore, art by Daniel Kana, colors by John Bo- John Paul Bove, and letters by Neil Yuitaki. Um, so this is um, the the new Transformers event, aka hey, here's a new way to sell some toys because there's some um, some new versions of Transformers in this that are that I do know for a fact that already have toys coming out, including a, a, a purple Prime. Uh, and the, the crux of it is is that I think this is um, an alternate universe where uh, the the Decepticons are not necessarily the good guys, but they're not the evil the uh, the, the evil forces that um, uh, that uh, the Autobots wage their war their battle against. In fact, it is the Autobots that are in control and are pretty much. Uh, um, uh, warloading. So basically, it's kind of like the uh, the reverse take of how um, I guess a lot of Transformers has been, where the 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 Autobots were on the losing side of this this war battle, whatever case, and the the um, and the Decepticons were had control of Cybertron or whatnot. Um, but uh, the question of this issue is that uh, Starship screams finds Megatron, who's been hiding out. Um, not feeling, you know, too high on company, let's say, because of uh, events of the in this world. Uh, and Star Trek tries to get him to become the Decepticon leader again. And there's some revisionist history and a couple other things, and 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 some what, and some some stories that are kind of fill in some of that. Uh, I believe this is this is a five issue series, and I don't think there's going to be unless this sells well enough to where they're gonna come back to it this is pretty much a a, a toy grab which i'm like a lot there's a couple of a couple of men here that i've seen i was like yeah i wouldn't mind having that transformer so mm. um but at the end of this apparently as things tend to happen in the, the transformers universe star screams uh spark uh ends up uh, being the key to maybe possibly taking back cybertron we'll see uh, Icon and Rocket, season one, number three. Uh, written by, well, Reginald Hudlin gets a credit here, but I, I saw somewhere where it's like his Reginald Hudlin Entertainment, and I believe the writer is actually Leon Chill. Uh, that is the wrong book because I couldn't really find the credits in said book, and I don't know why. Uh, or whatever credits page in the book, and that's kind of weird. But, um, let's see. Reginald Hudland and Leon Chills, uh, pencils by Doug Braithwaite, uh, inks by Dan, uh, Andrew Curry, and colors by Brad Anderson. So, like I said, this is kind of the retelling reboot of the Milestone, or the, the Icon and Rocket part of the Milestone Returns series. Um... They are pretty much making uh, a name of themselves and making themselves into public enemy number one because they're pretty much been going around the world and 
um, uh, clearing up the drug trade or drug fields and whatnot. And we've come to find out in this book that the government was actually that has been behind the drug uh, problems of the world. Um, and they don't like the fact that Icon and Rocket are, are screwing with their money. So they turn to another alien that uh, has some history with Icon and uh, and also Rocket learns the uh, unintended consequences of their actions. Uh, because she's she was the one who kind of spurred this on. And saying, like, yeah, we could do good, you could do good in the world by doing this and that and the other, but then Rocket kind of hips her to like, yeah, well, we did all of this, but, you know, <laughs> now you're on people's hit list and this and that and the other, and people are going to come and people won't like you and this and that and the other. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward with that because someone close to her gets attacked, and I don't know who this lay- lawyer lady is that sh- that's been showing up, but she's kind of like a black She Hulk, and I'm here for it. Um, so go figure. Superman 78 number 2 So this is the um the book that is of the world of the the original Superman movie which by the way um uh it was Christopher Reeve's birthday I believe yesterday as of um as of this recording if I'm not mistaken Okay so good timing uh, written by Robert Venditti, art by Wilfredo Torres, colors by Jody Belair, and uh, letters by Dave Lanfear. Oh, no, that's right. That is absolutely right. Excuse me. Um, so like I said, this takes place in the world of uh, Superman 78. Uh, this is after the movie, and this is after... Um, well, yeah, this is after the rest of that movie, so, but apparently... Lex Luthor got on parole thanks to uh, thanks to Superman, and Superman needs his help with the, this whole brainiac problem that that popped up um, in the first issue. Uh, which, if you know anything about Lex Luthor, <laughs> not the person you would what trusted this, but Superman doesn't know any better, especially at this point. But he is going to tours like, yeah, I'm trusting you, but you know, we'll, we'll see about that. But then. Uh, Brainiac does come back to Earth, come a calling, and Superman ends up having to make a choice that's uh, to save um, Metropolis in the end of this issue. But also, we get another, a um, we get a little glimpse of a familiar armor of Lex Luthor's that we don't get to see, that we never got to see in the movies. So, if you, you if you know anything about your Lex Luthor history, especially animated versions, you know mm. what I'm talking about. Um, Robin number six, which I thought you were reading this. I I, I was. I just didn't get to it. Gotcha. That's okay. a it's a good thing that you mentioned it because I, I guess I'll circle back to it this weekend. Okay, then I won't. Then I won't. Yeah, I won't give you too much on it. But you already know what's going on in it. But um, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Gleb Melnikov, uh, colors by Luis Guerrero, and letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. So that whole tournament thing is still going on. Right. Uh, and it's starting in earnest, actually. Um, and a bunch of fights happen. Um, yeah, a, a bunch of fights go on, and this it's a pretty fun read. Uh, but also, um, we may get, be getting a little bit more information about some stuff, um, particularly with um, the person who is given... Uh, do, putting this tournament on, we don't know that yet, but you know, there's some like there's some things happening in this issue that's like um, that may give away some stuff. I don't know, but regardless, bunch of fights happen. 
uh, Damien's Damien. <laughs> right. And um, this book is kind of fun. I, I've been enjoying it so far. Cool. Uh, Star Wars. Thanks for mentioning that because I need to circle back to it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, because like I said, I knew I figured you had been reading it, so I didn't. You know, so yeah, I got too tied up with wasting time on Amazing Spider-Man number seventy-four. Oh man, I blew through that first off because I was like, let me just get this shit over with. <laughs> <laughs> for hook by hook or crook. Um, Star Wars number seventeen, written by Charles Soule, art by Ramon Rosanas. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Clayton Powell. So this is still that whole War of the Bounty Bounty Hunters thing that is going on. Um, And if you don't know about that, Han Solo, this is between um, the events of uh, Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi. Han's body is still in carbonite. In fact, he is the main focus of this in a way because his body's been up for auction and it has changed hands a couple of different times in the course of this event. And now it is in the hands of the Empire uh, at this point, which we know where the body ends up. So this is just all, you know, at some point we know it's going to get back to where we know it's going to be in Return of the Jedi. Uh, But for this issue, we get a whole cat and mouse thing with Luke and Vader. Uh, uh, Leia and Lando are still kind of stuck on the Falcon trying to get repairs done because the shuttle that has Han is like right there but they can't get to him um and apparently we get we harken back to the solo movie in a way because lando's talking to uh the falcon because if you know anything about uh this the solo han solo movie you know what's the relationship between lando and the falcon um that's all i'll say about that um but also, Leia does a pretty good Lando, and at the end of it, it's also okay. Um, and I believe, let's see, oh yeah, Sword number eight is my next one, and I uh, got one more after this. You didn't, you didn't read Sword this week? Well, I know you're not really. No, I've read it. I read it. I just didn't want to include it. I gotcha. Yeah, that wasn't. Was... Actually, I enjoyed this issue, but it wasn't really hold that to it for the for the overall Krakoan thing. Uh, but anyway. Uh, written by Al Ewing, art by Guyu Velanova. I'm not. Uh, apologize if I butchered your name. Uh, color artist Fernando Fuentes of Porto Bunker Studios, and letters by VCs uh, Ariana Mayer. Almost said Joe Caramani for some stupid reason. Um, but this is a storm-focused book. If you uh, can tell by the um, the cover here. If you're watching the video version, you should sometime. Um, Storm's a badass. If you didn't already know that, then you will know by the end of this book, or even halfway through this book. Because if you also, if you don't know uh, what's been going on in the X books, she has been made regent of Araco, which is pretty much Mars. Uh, so she has had some challenges. She has been actively challenged. Uh, in her uh, appointment to Regent, and this is uh, a couple of those challenges. Um, and uh, like I said, Storm's badass, and this this, uh, this issue kind of proves just as much. And so I, I I've been enjoying it. You have a nice little backshot. No, no, anyway, there's a nice little uh, panel of uh, Storm. A couple of nice panels of of Storm in the beginning of this is that's worth checking out. But I will say that I love Storm. That's all I'll say. 
Last hmm. but not least, if that wasn't apparent, I don't know what to tell you. Um, last but not least, Deathstroke Inc. number one. Um, and I didn't get the creative team, so that was great. So let me pull that up really, really quickly. Come on, come on. Yeah, man. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> uh, written by Joshua Williamson. Uh, Howard Porter is the artist. Colorist is Hi-Fi. Letterer Steve Wands. Um... So we've we've heard about this book uh, um, in, a, in the past month or two. Basically, I guess Deathstroke's trying something different. Um, you guess to see whether he's going to be a hero or not. I don't know. He's aligned himself with this group called Trust, and yes, it's an acronym for something because uh, Marvin DC love their acronyms. But also along for the ride is Black Canary. So they two are paired together. Um, and this is their first mission together. Uh, Trust is may or may not have uh, some ulterior motives. Uh, Black Canary is there for a reason. And like I said, Deathstroke's kind of trying something new, but he's probably got his own um, machinations uh, going into this. But we'll see how this goes like the it's kind of interesting so far i was like i'm kind of curious as the pairing of deathstroke and black canary was going to work out um but so far it is what it it, it it is what it seems to be um whether it goes any further than that or what they plan to do with this book i don't know but here we go and that is it for me all right, and before we move on to Clicks of the Week, I wanted to uh, let everyone know that I went and looked up the comic book reading order, uh, you know, the order of these events that we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, House of M, basically, and and where that falls in real-time publishing, you know, uh, timelines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, comicbookreadingorders.com is helpful. And House of M, get ready for this. House of M and Decimation. That's circa 2005 okay. and 2006. And where is... A uh, long time ago. Yeah. So I will let you know where... Um, uh, Children's Crusade, excuse me. Children's Crusade comes in. Yeah. 2010. Wow. Yeah, that's a little length. A little bit of a length. Story yeah, that's a while ago. I can't believe that's 11 years ago now. Okay, so I was actually right then. So it does actually come after uh, House, M, House of M. I didn't yeah. know that long between the two, but um, I guess that kind of makes sense. I, yep. should, I should go back yep. and read uh, Church of Crusade, because I barely remember that one. That It's been a while since I've, since I've read that one, so that might be fun to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll make that one of the Evergreen episodes, right? All right. I thought we had planned it though. I feel like we we. I feel like that was. It might have been on the list. Yeah, it might have been on the list before uh, the the pandemic, uh, 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 lightened just a touch so that uh, regular comics could come out again. Right. But yeah, we'll 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 see about if we can um, pop that in there somewhere. But that being the case, let us go to clicks of the week. 
Clicks of the Week. Uh, excuse me. We have... Oh, wow. Totally forgot about that. Wow. Um, we have at least one from... Uh, one pick from one of our absent uh, hosts. Tim's pick click of the week is Inferno number one. And I don't think he says anything... No, he doesn't say it about it. Oh, I just noticed what he said about uh, Spencer's run of uh, Amazing. That's funny. <laughs> Which I actually slightly surprised me because I could have sworn I thought he, I thought he liked... Um, uh, no, I think he kept up with it the way we did in the early part, and right. he probably let it slide when we should have let it slide. Yeah, yeah. True. You know? You're right. So, um... And 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 PCN underscore dirt is still trying to catch up on a gigantic stack of books. He let us know with a very uh, descriptive photo how many comics he still has to go through to get caught up because of uh, you know the summer and the fall. You know his uh, you know just him just being behind on his reading. But he got a new computer. Um, uh, hey, uh, and yeah, that was like a long box. Just to give you an idea, it looks like a short box. Actually, I, the long box would probably be a slight exaggeration, but it's a short box of uh, comics. It's a lot of comics. That's a lot of comics. It's a lot of comics. Um, all right, so I will say I am between two books. Mm-hmm. Inferno number one. Okay. Right? Sure. Uh, did we say what Tim Dog's uh, uh, yeah, click of the week was? Yeah, Inferno number one. Right. So that is Tim Dog 98's uh, pick. I'm actually between that and uh, Good Asian number five because I love how this is a real turning point in the story. Mm-hmm. And I love that uh, halfway through we really get a much better sense of uh, the character, his pathos, and how everything is starting to fit together. Okay. You know, we're not dragging out this kind of murder mystery thing forever i mean we are we're gonna we're not it's, it's gonna be a while but we actually get a lot better grasp of how these characters fit together as a result of this issue but i think i'm gonna i'm gonna double i'm gonna back up uh tim's vote and go with inferno uh number one because of the fact that it's going to make me go back and reread Hoxpox, the original Hoxpox series yes. so that i can refresh my recollection and now there's a uh, been that there's a collection with both of them together. That's yeah, that would make for a good. I am actually kind of curious of the order they have that in. Actually, well, I mean it's probably in the you know, obviously in the they go back and forth between each other with whatever. In what in Marvel Unlimited or in trade paperback? Trade. Oh, okay. No, in Marvel Unlimited they have them. Um, they have them. Uh, they don't have it in clicking order, but in all issues order they have them alternating. Sure. But I do know, I believe there was a couple of issues that kind of like stuck with one book and then went back to the other or something like that. And, um, if I remember correctly, I don't know. So, okay. Um, for myself, I'm definitely kind of teetering on in, in front of because it really was good. Um, and amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, 
don't. No, I was about to say, bite your tongue, no, man. No, 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 no. I was over. about to say, if you said, if you said gun honey, just because of the page, the, the two page spread I showed mm-hmm. you, I'd be all right. I understand that. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that's one good thing <laughs> out there. Um, and you know, what's funny about that? What's that? Cause you could tell that is not Greg land because that is not something he traced. Shots fired at Greg land. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's I'm just wrong. giving you time to decide. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Um, hmm. Sorry, I was actually wasn't bad with that with that whole chasing, but yeah, it was, it's either out of Inferno, Miles, and actually, it's probably out of just those two, honestly. Um, Robin, actually, Robin was actually a, a pretty good one this week. So, you know what, I'm, as much as I loved, uh, as much as I enjoyed Inferno, and and I do echo the sentiment that I feel like, yeah, going back and reading Hoxpox this morning, even though I feel like I have a fairly decent working knowledge of what happened then, uh, I I feel like going back and reading that too, but I'm going to uh, go with Miles as my pick. Miles Morales, Spider-Man 30, because it was fun. Like, yeah, there wasn't, like, it, it... there were no real stakes in that, and it was just a couple of fun. Uh, there was a fun main story and a couple of backups, you know, for celebrating his ten years. Uh, you know, it, I, I enjoyed it. Right, it's the type of anniversary issue I don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, when, it, when it's all a celebration. Right. You know, you know, I, I, if you're gonna do it, have it be the beginning of a big story or the culmination of a big story. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that big of an issue with with that happening. And I guess I guess it kind of depends on the book too. Because if you, if it's building up to something and they just like swerve to something and it's just all of this, then yeah, that's mm-hmm. something that. But this book has been kind of like feels like it's been between arcs uh, for the last couple of uh, issues, and now like like you said earlier, it's it's going to get into another arc after this for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. There we go, folks. Clicks of the week. Now we're going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always ship free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off as we do uh, about this time with this cinematic news. First up, Superman animated series Blu-ray box set suffers a delay. So, you remember us talking about that Blu-ray set that uh, for Superman, the uh, complete animated series uh, from a while back, which, by the way, you can watch that stuff on HBO Max for the time being, uh, is going to arrive on October 26th of this year because of production delays uh, according to this article they didn't elaborate on it but you know hey there there is that 
So if you're looking forward to that, then it's going to be a little while longer than um, than what initially said. Next up. Next up, Warner Brothers is seeking to expand its DC content on HBO Max. HBO Max and Red Hood may be the next character to get a solo film on the streaming service. According to that hashtag show, a Red Hood film script is in the works. The movie would adapt the comic story of Death in the Family, which saw Jason Todd killed by the Joker uh, after readers voted for his demise. And the character would resurface years later as the violent vigilante Red Hood, uh, who would ironically become a fan favorite anti-hero. Okay. Yeah, people like assholes for some stupid reason. I don't understand it. Anyway, uh, The Flash's Supergirl to headline her own HBO series. This, I believe this is coming from the same um, place as that uh, last story. So it is a report. Um, and it says here, after debuting in next year's The Flash movie, the DCEU Supergirl will reportedly land her own HBO Max series. Uh, that hashtag show is reporting that Sasha Kales, Callies, I guess. I don't know if it's Callies or Kales. Um, Girl of Steel, who will arrive in the Flashpoint-inspired solo movie for the Scarlet Speedster, is due for her own TV show. Which is weird considering uh, Supergirl on the CW is ending this year. That's I don't understand why they do this stuff. Anyway, the series is apparently being worked on at the moment with word that it will explore the character's backstory and details just how she winds up in The Flash. Um, though details on that film are scarce, it seems the plot will inspire, uh, inspire a lot of questions about the Christianian, which the show will seek to answer. Uh, according to the report, Superman will not be appearing on this show, unlike the CW uh, <laughs> show. But again, this is also, yeah, this is, we all know that DC's been doing different things with the movie and their television stuff. And since this is Flashpoint inspired, I guess this, this is how they can get away with that. I don't know. Next up. Next up, HBO Max and Cartoon Network are bringing a month-long Scooby-Doo celebration to fans with the reveal of Scoobatober in October. The Scoobtober programming event kicks off on Friday, October 1st, which is today, according to the timing of this uh, 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 of this, uh, part, this part of the recording. Mm-hmm. Um on HBO Max and Cartoon Network, the Halloween-themed event features new episodes of Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, Scooby-Doo Movies, the Cartoon Network premiere of Scoob, and much more. Scooby-Doo and Guess Who has a star-studded lineup including Cher, uh, Sean Astin, Jessica Biel, Terry Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw, <laughs> Lucy Liu, Jason Sudeikis, and Run TMC. The series sees the Mystery Inc. crew team up with some of the biggest names in pop culture to solve mysteries. What? No Harlem Globetrotters? I know, right? So I've actually seen a, uh, an episode of this fairly recently, and I, I, I said that exact same thing. Because as a matter of fact, I was talking to a, um, was a friend of mine when, we, when I was watching it. Um, and it was like, that's weird, but I mean, not not outside the realm possible of things that happen in the Scoopiverse. But yeah, no, no, um, Harlem Globetrotters. Weird. Uh, also, since it is October first, I'm probably gonna forget about this later. But Happy Inktober to people who are going to um, uh, be um, uh, doing that whole thing. Yeah, let's see if I can make it through another Inktober. I I I laid down a, a, some pencils and I have some ideas for the first week, so. I'll, We'll see how 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 long it takes me to fall behind. Mm-hmm. Um, also, 
for anyone who remembers that Green Day song, Wake Up, September has ended. Indeed. And also speaking of, I know, I don't know if they're in the audience right now, but I know a couple of friends of mine and, uh, oh, a, a lovely set of, uh, a, a lovely set of ladies, lovely, lovely set of twins, rather, who have a birthday today, so I don't know if they ever see this. Happy birthday to them. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is me. CW reveals season finale dates for Supergirl, Riverdale, Stargirl, and more. So this is like I was just saying earlier. Um, CW has announced when the season finales for some of its biggest series uh, will end, including Supergirl, Riverdale, Stargirl, etc. So Twitter, according to a press release from the CW, uh, we're going to skip some of this stuff and get to the meat of the fact that Stargirl season two concludes on November second. Uh, Supergirl season six, which is the last season, is uh, ends on November 9th. and then there's a bunch of other CW shows. I guess we can count Riverdale in this since it is a technically a comic book show. Riverdale season five is going to conclude on October sixth. So there you go. Next. Next up, a new report seemingly confirmed that Disney Plus's upcoming Ms. Marvel series has been delayed for a 2022 release. Variety senior entertainment writer Adam B. Vary recently posted an update regarding the uh, release schedule for the show. Quote, he's confirmed that what was obvious to most Marvel Studios observers, Ms. Marvel has moved from a late 2021 release on Disney Plus to 2022, he tweeted. Yeah, like we, we, we've said in uh, recent shows regarding this there just wasn't enough time on the slate in 2021 to fit to fit the show, and so it makes sense to uh, push it a bit to 2022. Right. So we still got the whatever's left. Well, the last episode of What If we got Hawkeye coming up, we got Eternals coming up. So I think that's that's. Oh uh, wait, so we still got Spidey also, I guess. Right. There's a lot coming still. You know, it's only October, but you know, in terms of. Um, uh, fitting it in, especially with Hawkeye mm-hmm. coming during the holidays because it's supposed to be themed with the holidays. Where else would they put this Miss Marvel show? Right. So, yeah, like you said, makes sense. Next up. Oh, I'll take, you know, well, I was about to say you could take this, but I'll take it. Uh, Miss Marvel star confirms her character was a hajib. Uh, so, good, job. good job, good job. Excuse me, I, I always do that. Sorry, you're right. Uh, one of the characters in Miss Marvel's Disney Plus series will, will wear a hijab, just like in the comics, which is this is cool to hear. Uh, Yasmin Fletcher, who portrays Nakia Bahadir uh, on Miss Marvel, was asked if her character would wear a religious veil on the show, as she does in the comics. Yes, I will be, quote unquote. Fletcher answered, uh, this character means so much to me, so I look forward to seeing the impact she makes on the younger generation. So, cool. Next up. Next up, Marvel's animated What If has packed a lot into its relatively short episodes, but that wasn't always, was not always the plan. Head writer AC Bradley appeared on Deadline's Hero Nation podcast to discuss the show, and, uh... While the anthology has been generally well-received by fans and critics, one complaint has been how much stories crammed into each episode. But according to Bradley, part of the runtime is due to the pandemic, though the comics also informed the decision to a degree. Okay. Yeah, I've kind of, I think this might have been before the show we talked about this, or it might have been when we were talking about What If, but yeah. So, there you go. Uh, 
speaking of, what if Boss reveals the, uh, the Captain America episode Marvel would never make? Uh, so what if executive producer and head writer A.C. Bradley revealed that the alternative, uh, the al- alternate universe Marvel storyline she wanted to tell was basically a crossover between Captain America and the West Wing. And I believe, I don't, can't remember if we mentioned, but there was a, a little bit in these, in this last episode where, um, we see the fight go into a world where Captain America was uh, president. Oh, we was being inaugurated. Yeah, it was being inaugurated, which started off as a, a what if uh, in the comics, but also ended up being an actual thing in the Ultimate Universe. So, uh, so it was kind of funny. Which also brings me back to an article that I had I had drawn up a while ago about what if stories that end up being somewhat canon. Um, but that's another time for another place. If the if I ever get this other side off the ground, whatever. Anyway, uh, around 19 minutes, 13 seconds is our interview on Deadline's Hero Nation podcast. Bradley was asked if there was ever going to be a TV version of the classic What If comic story if Captain America had been elected president uh, by Mike uh, Barr and Herb Tripp. Trumpy. Is it Trumpy? I think it is Trumpy. Yeah. Uh, Bradley says she pitched her West Wing-inspired version of this premise for both seasons one and two of What If, but it was ultimately passed on both times as she doubts it will ever get made even if What If's even if whatever gets renewed for further seasons. So, there you go. I feel like I've seen somewhere where they said that they might even start delving into more comic book stuff. And because I think the one, uh, not necessarily Crush, but the, the, the one thing they had to stick to was the MCU mm-hmm. at, at this point. So, I don't know if. Um, and actually, they kind of given the zombie stuff because that wasn't exactly in the um the MCU unless you count that one scene in in that in Spider-Man but that I feel like that doesn't really count. But regardless, next up. Next up, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is quote awesome and coming soon according to the show's executive producer. While Marvel's series on Disney Plus currently demand much attention, there have also been various animated shows over the years spread out across Disney affiliates that are not directly tied to the continuity of the MCU. One of the most recent examples was MODOK on Hulu, but Disney Channel and Disney XD have been the primary hub for Marvel's animated fare. Since 2012, Disney XD, blah, 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 In 2018, it was announced that Marvel was developing uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur series. It's uh, being developed by none other than Lawrence Fishburne. Since the cast was announced early this year, uh, we haven't gotten very many updates, so apparently it's still coming soon. Sure. Uh, Marvel Story Studios recruits Harley Quinn storyboard artist to direct Mystery Project. Uh, Liza Singer, known for her work for their work as a storyboard artist on DC's Harley Quinn animated series, announced that they have joined Marvel Studios as director for an upcoming Mystery Project. Singer, who previously worked on animated projects for Warner Brothers, Netflix, Titmouse, and others, announced that they have been signed on to Marvel Studios to direct an unannounced upcoming series. Mm-hmm. Scratch that. One second. Um, not, not, not scratch what Roddy Cat said, but scratch from that uh, article that we were talking about, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Apparently, people uh, fans are, uh, are looking towards February 2022 as a possible release window. Okay, sure. Is at the very end. Talk about burying the lead. I have to look at the article. 
Gotcha. Uh, Singer broke the news on Twitter, sharing what they could about the mysterious uh, new project, along with an image of the Marvel Studios logo. They didn't identify the property they'll be working on, but they expressed enthusiasm for the new role, start stating, I'm so excited to share that I'm starting a new journey today as director over at Marvel Studios. It's going to be an awesome and special team, and I'm feeling just incredibly excited. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we'll see. I guess we'll see at some point what this uh, mystery project is going to be. Next up. All right, spoiler alert for the Shang-Chi movie because Roddy Cat still hasn't watched it. But uh, there is um, from journalist Jeff Yang, who is part of the They Call Us Bruce podcast, which I do listen to on a regular basis, spoke about his experience on the podcast as the cultural consultant for Shang-Chi. And during the talk, he teased that Tony Leung's character uh, is going to make additional appearances in the MCU, period. You'll never see it coming. Yeah. You won't sound like that, I'm sure. Scarlett Johansson, Disney, come to terms over Black Widow's lawsuit. So this, and this uh, is literally dropped today, this news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like right before we uh, started recording. So thanks to Agent 74 for peeping that. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled their breach of contract lawsuit over the release of Black Widow. Uh, the terms of the settlement has not have not been disclosed. Uh, quote unquote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney, said Johansson, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in the years to come, which pretty much tells me she got a lot of money. Hmm. I could be wrong, but you know that's that 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 whole sentence structure just just is like, yep, I got. I got yeah, it reeks I of satisfaction. What, exactly, I got I got what I I got what I deserve. <laughs> she, got, she got the bag, and she's more than happy with what she got. Yep, because she has additional projects with Disney that she's looking forward to. Yep, we are good here. So good. Now, if they can only settle that other thing uh, that's going on with them right now. Anyway, next up. Next up, so this is some uh, spoilers for that we talked about already mm-hmm. uh, with regards to Star Wars Visions, where uh, Star Wars debuted a new lightsaber color and power that could change the Jedi and Sith with regard to the colors that the um, the lightsaber would take on, uh, depending on uh, the character's affinity and or affiliation. So, uh, you know, we talked about that earlier. No need to belabor that point. But it's You've cool. got next. Yep. But it's still cool. Uh, Diego Luna says Star Wars Andor has finished shooting and to expect familiar faces, quote-unquote. Uh, a smile widens on Diego Luna's face when asked about what's ahead for his Star Wars character Cassian Andor in the upcoming... I don't know what I'm talking like that. In the upcoming Disney Plus series Star Wars Andor. Uh, the cheeky grin is a combination of anticipation, excitement, and a splash of secrecy because those Star Wars snipers, just like the, the, those Disney snipers, are hell. Um, regarding the 12 issue project he executive produced and stars in, set to be released in 2022. Uh, you definitely see familiar faces, Luna told Deadline about Andor. Um, while promoting the return of his Amazon Prime video original series, uh, Panty Circle. I don't know Spanish, folks, or whatever. Uh, On October 8th, uh, I can tell you... um, I can tell you about this project like no other. 
because I can't uh, spoil the ending if you've seen Star Wars <laughs> if you've seen Star Wars Rogue One already. No matter what I say, I can't ruin the ending. I mean, I guess that's true because you know that, that was a pretty finite ending uh, on, on Rogue One, at least from what we could tell. So there you go. Um, so yeah, twenty twenty two. Catch it next. Next up, Disney has revealed that Star Wars: The Book of Boba Fett uh, will premiere on Disney Plus on December twenty ninth, twenty twenty one, which will be here before you know it. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it. That I'm, we're still not entirely sure what that's what exactly that's going to be, but hey, um. Gina Carano's uh, Mandalorian Fallout indirectly killed planned Lucy Lawless Star Wars project, according to this article. Uh, Xena Warrior Princess star Lucy Lawless, I like the way they still go into Xena when she's done with many other things, but okay, says the fallout from Gina Carano's Mandalorian firing indirectly hurt her own mystery Star Wars project. Uh, quote, unquote, well, to be honest with you, I was already in discussions about something on, it wasn't the Mandalorian, something Star Wars affiliated. Lawless told uh, Metro.co.uk, reflecting on how fans were pushing her to replace Carano as Cara Dune, which actually I never thought about that, but yeah, sure. Um, it might have hurt me in some way because they couldn't hire me because it would seem to be pandering to, I'm just guessing here, I don't know anything, but in some way it can't be helpful uh, because if they pander to this fan group, then how are you going to pander to the other fan group? Do you know what I mean? Um, I guess, sure. Not really, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess they're basically saying, like, hey, if you give people the Snyder Cut, they're going to want more Snyder Cut. I'm assuming that's what that means. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that actually means that or not. But, yeah, sure. Next up. I was about to say, is that like, you know, not negotiating with terrorists? Um, in some, you know what? In some ways, I get that because yeah, there are people who be like, they should do this, they should do that. This is the way should things should be, and those people should not be, you know, right. listened to. But I don't know. I feel like it's kind of different for that. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. You know. All right, moving on. Next up, uh, Russell T. Davis, Davies, actually showrunner of the modern Doctor Who returns in Return of the. Bleh. Showrunner of the modern Doctor Who return in 2005 has just been announced to be returning once more to lead the show in 2023, replacing and exiting Chris Chibnall. And uh, my response is... Who? Oh, Doctor Who fans know who Russell T. Davies is. Some... Yeah, uh, shots fired, Doctor Who fans. You know, uh, no. some people like the article writer, you know, are, are not really too thrilled about him returning. Some people, I'm sure, are are um, are fine with it. I'm like, eh, I don't know how to feel about it. Actually, I haven't really been keeping up with the show um, like I used to. But um, yeah, but it's the 60th anniversary. I don't know if that was the real reason behind it, it was because nobody else wanted it. I don't really know, or you know, whatever the case may be. Like I said, some people like uh, RTD's run. Who's to say? Next up. Uh, My Hero Academia Season 6 confirmed. We'll adapt to Paranormal Liberation War arc. If you know anything about what that even means. I do not. 
Um, oh, Roddy Cat is not up on this. I actually am ahead of Roddy Cat on this because he has not picked up on My Hero Academia at all, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Uh, and it says here My Academia. Well, news, this part I didn't know, but yeah, I'm not, not up on that yet. My Hero, Hero Academia will return for a sixth season. Uh, the power, the popular superhero shown in anime confirmed another season on its official Twitter account shortly after the 25th and final episode of season 5 aired. The new season will adapt the, the paranormal liberation war arc for the manga, which sees the world's pro heroes and the students of UA high school engage in all-out war. So, civil war? <laughs> oh, no. With the meta liberation oh. army. It's always a it's always a liberation army. Um, a group that has united all of the show's supervillains under one leadership under the twisted uh, Tamura Shigaraki. Shigaraki, right? Um, in fact, I felt like I saw a video that was talking about this, and I was like, "Well, I have no idea what's going on here." But okay, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a short video clip for the announcement of season six teases a long-awaited showdown between uh, Shigaraki, who is the protege of the alien villain. Oh, excuse me, of the villain, all for one. Wait, wait, what? Never mind. Uh, And a series of (laughs) self-sacrificing. This is one of the few times where I know something that Roddy Cat doesn't about uh, anime. Sure, right, right, right. Because I'm reading this, I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. And Roddy Cat's just like, huh? Like I know, what na- does I know mean? names. Right, I know names, and I know like very early stuff going into the. the but I didn't like the, the. I haven't actually watched the show. Um, well, actually, I watched like the first couple episodes. Regardless, so regardless, Deku's coming back, and all everybody else, and so yeah, um, that's a thing. Does it? Right, say- and if you're up on the show, they, are, you know, it's 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 it, it. The cliffhanger ending is a setup for the paranormal liberation war. So, gotcha. it's uh, it, it it's very much on Front Street, um, at the end of the episode. So, uh, it says here, Funimation will give. Wait, oh yeah, World Hero Mission, which is the uh, the movie that's coming up. Uh, says Funimation will give the movie a, a limited theatrical run in the United States and Canada on October 29th. And season six is doesn't really say. Yeah, doesn't really say. But let's let us assume. Um, let's assume early twenty twenty two. If not at the end of this year, which would be weird. Next up. Oh, you mean the movie? No, the movie. They said the movie is uh, the twenty ninth, but I'm talking about uh, season six. Right. It's yeah. It's still going to be a while before it hits Funimation. So right. Um, I'll have to wait for that. You know, I don't know if I'm going to run to see this in the theater, you know, but um, but yeah, I'm into it. So it's fun. Uh, Next up, the mystery of when Demon Slayer season two's release date has been solved at last. And as promised, they will indeed be making it out in 2021. Um, Funimation has announced that it's turning the smash hit Mugen Train feature film into a seven episode series that will start airing on October 10th. And it's not just the movie chopped up into small bits, but is going to include 70 new scenes, new music tracks, new open and ending animation, episode previews, and new theme songs. Um, so basically, it uh, extends the two-hour-long uh, movie, which would be roughly six 20-minute episodes, into a seven-episode series. So there is a good chunk of footage that adds onto this. The rest of this article also says that... Um, the uh, the 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 really new uh, content for Demon Slayer is going to premiere on December fifth, 
and uh, go, you know, with an hour long premiere and then uh, go from there. Right. So we were talking about. I watched Mugen Train. Have you watched Mugen Train? I have not even watched Demon Slayer, the first season. Oh, you're behind on Demon Slayer, too. That's two animes. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah. That I'm ahead of Roddy Cat on. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I think Demon Slayer is probably going to be my next one to um, to hit up, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's less. It's less. It's fewer episodes than my hero. That's the thing. Well, yeah, that's so. true because it's only 26 plus the plus the movie. So right. we were talking about this earlier before the show, and they're basically doing this like um, uh, the start of Dragon Ball Super, where they basically broke up uh, Battle of Gods and. Um, Resurrection of F, I believe, into uh, actual shows. Right. Uh, but it's pretty much the same story beats of the movies. So, makes sense, I guess, kind of. Uh, regardless, if you hadn't seen Mugen Train, then, hey. I mean, I feel like if you're a fan of Demon Slayer, you've already have. So, you know, whether yep. this puts you off or not, who's to say? Or whether you just yeah. watch it again and just kind of ease on into the uh, the, the new stuff. Right. I mean, I'm mildly annoyed at that, but at the same time, you know, if they're going to repackage it, you know, uh, I'm in between big, big anime runs or at least current anime shows. So I forget when they're going to drop uh, Attack on Titan. So um, we talked about it and I can't remember either. But yeah, I can't remember. But uh, but ultimately, uh, that's that's sooner rather than later. Right. You know, dropping dropping something some some relatively new content for Demon Slayer. So that's good news for me. Right. And they did say there was gonna be some new scenes and, and, and music and whatnot in it. So maybe it's something that's gonna to add to uh Mugen Train Mugen Train. We'll see. Um Ultra Man season two will feature the return of the six Ultra Brothers. So Ultra uh Ultraman season two, which will feature the return of like like I just said, the Ultra crossover team, the six Ultra Brothers. The brothers were revealed during Netflix's uh Tudor event on September twenty fifth. Uh the Ultraman section of the event was hosted by uh Ryu Ryohei Kimura, who plays the role of Shinjiro Hayata uh in the series. The six Ultra Brothers um Hey, it's an Ultraman thing. If you don't know about Ultraman, I don't know what to tell you. There's a lot to it. So, <laughs> uh, no details were revealed on how all of these new Ultraman will fit into the world and the story of the Netflix anime, which takes place in the unique continuity that branches off from the original 1966 Ultraman Tokatsu, uh, Tokusatsu series, but ignores all of the sequels and spin-off series that were released in the many years that followed it. And may not have anything to do with the current slate of uh, comic books that Marvel are putting out. I don't know because I haven't really watched the first season. Uh, Netflix Netflix now lists the series as coming out in 2022, while the previously announced a slightly more more specific spring 22 premiere date for the series. Next up. Next up, William Shatner's Tech War novel series is set to become, and former comic book series, is set to become a mixed reality adult animation show produced by Shatner through his Shatner universe together with Pure Imagination Studios. According to Deadline, the new series will be developed and written by Matt Mcnovetz, uh, who has previously served as a writer on Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and the more recent Disney Plus show, Star Wars The Bad Batch. Okay. The plan is to adapt the sci-fi world of the Tech War novels to bring it to the screen as a mixed reality adult animated series. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Um, actually, the, you doing that just reminded me of, of a, a recent video I saw where Shatner was um, with basically um, critiquing other people's uh, uh, impressions of him. <laughs> and, yeah, it was as the silly as you might think it was. <laughs> but anyway, I guess that's something like tech war stuff. I've never really got into that, but sure, it's a thing. Uh, last but not least, set in some sad news, Goku 13 creator uh, Takeo Saito passes away at age 84. Uh, so Takeo Saito, the creator of the long running and highly influential Goku 13 manga, has passed away at age 84, like I said, from pancreatic cancer. Uh, Yahoo News Japan is reporting that the celebrated author and uh, Gekiga. Uh, artist uh, passed away on September 24th. Saito was best known for Goku 13 manga, as we said, which was first published in 1968, um, which recently set the record for the longest-running ongoing manga series with over 200 collected volumes. Uh, Goku 13 is also the second best-selling manga series of all time, surpassed only by uh, Ichiryo's Oda's One Piece. That's a lot of freaking One Piece also. Um, I was about to say, that's one of those things where uh, uh, I have no idea if I'm ever going to jump into that. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard proposition. I've, I've, that's, a, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I've watched some One Piece. I don't know if I can do it. Um, and it's still going, so that's kind of ridiculous. Anyway, the, mm-hmm. the manga celebrated its 50th anniversary in 2018. In 2003, the Japanese government awarded Taito with a Medal of Honor with Purple Ribbon for his contributions to the art. So, uh, and yes, uh, some folks might know that Gogo Vert 13 was uh, made into an anime many, many moons ago. <laughs> and a couple of long uh, live action movies. Uh, I remember the. I definitely remember the, the anime, the movie, the anime movie. I don't necessarily remember the. Um, the, uh, the live actions, but according to this. Um, Recently passed, uh, Sunny Chiba was uh, played uh, Goku 13 in those movies, and I want to hunt those down now. So, anywho, next, uh, we're now going to go into the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, uh, Denny O'Neill and Joe Casada's Batman Sword of Azrael up for auction. So, the short story here is that, yeah, I guess it's some artwork from Batman Sword of Azrael um, that is, I guess, had also been minied, uh, uh, minted. Is up for auction in the 2021. Oh, well, I guess it's already done because it's passed by this point. Um, September 26th to 27th auction from Heritage Auctions. Don't know what it went for at this point, but apparently it probably went for some good money. Next up. I have that book still. Sword of Azrael, I think. The first appearance of Azrael. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Fans of DC's recent YA graphic novels like Teen Titans Raven and Teen Titans Beast Boy um, should be excited because writer Cammy Garcia has two new books in the works, including a new Teen Titans story focused on Robin, or should we say Robins? Um... Uh, there is Teen Titans Robin, which spotlights more than one of Batman's sidekicks. Artist Gabriel Piccolo is returning for this new Teen Titans book, um, which is the fourth collaboration between those two. 
Um, the book spotlights original Robin Dick Grayson as well as Bruce Wayne's son Damien. Garcia is also teaming with artist Isaac Goodhart for Constantine Distorted Illusions. So that's an interesting YA graphic novel uh, character for you. Yeah, right. Um, I I love uh, Gabriel Piccolo's art. I have since I've come across his um, his Instagram like a couple of years ago. So I'm glad he's been getting some steady work. Um, I haven't read any of these. In fact, I think one came out this week. Might not have read that. Beast Boy loves uh, Raven came out this week. Mm. So, but I haven't really read any of them. Anyway, uh, DC offers NFT cover collections to fandom registrants. Uh, so, uh, this thing really needs to go away. Um, although it previously teamed with a partner to create a series of digital only Batman black and white statues tied to non-fungible tokens. That's what NFT stand for. If you didn't know, um, DC is now teaming up with Palm NFT studios to create what the publisher is calling the first collection of NFTs on October 5th, uh, using what it called Palm's prior proprietary environmentally sustainable and energy efficient technology uh the nft collection will highlight dc's history character catalog and diversity of its storytelling according to the publisher uh the publisher will be hand selected the collection will be hand selected by dc publisher and chief creative officer and iconic artist according to this article jim lee as DC is calling a, a thank you and invitation to its fans to attend the second edition of DC Fandom on October 16th. Fans who register for the event will be able to collect a free NFT along with uh, securing the ability to unlock a second by sharing on social media. Okay. Next. Alrighty, next up. Uh, multiple... Eisner Award-winning writer Tom King and artist Greg Smallwood take aim at Christopher Chance, a.k.a. The Human Target, in issue one of 12 in a stylish Hitchcockian thriller. So this is a DC book that is uh, set to come out mm-hmm. on November 2nd. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Human Target is probably a well-lesser-known uh, DC character who has actually had a live-action um, show. On TNT. So, I don't know if that tells you anything, but sure. Um, Harry Osborn goes to hell for Nick Spirits' finale in Amazing Spider-Man 74 preview. We've already talked about this. Let us move on. Uh, Inferno number one, as we talked about earlier, is available. And uh, the events of Inferno and X-Men The Trial of Magneto seem to be out of step with each other. But So Marvel Comics stepped in to clarify the timeline, at least vaguely, and basically said Inferno largely takes place after the events of X-Men The Trial of Magneto, a Marvel spokesperson confirmed to Newsarama. Which actually makes sense because there was a, um, a panel or two in Inferno that was like, oh yeah, that's, that's the thing that um, was mentioned in Trial of uh, Magneto. Right. So there you go. Next up, Eels, Marvel's Avengers, uh, Spider-Man DLC will have story and cutscenes. So Crystal Dynamics, the developer behind uh, Marvel's Avengers, have confirmed that the PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man DLC will have story content and cutscenes when it makes its long-awaited debut. Uh, as spotted by somebody, Crystal Dynamics senior producer Dan Matlock 
Matt Lack uh, responded to a fan's question on the official Marvel Avengers Discord server that asked uh, whether or not everyone's favorite webhead will come with his own storyline. Quote unquote, Spider Man is what we call an event, so he will have cutscenes and a story for sure. Matt Lack uh, replied. I'm not sure why this was doubted, but okay, sure. Next up. Marvel Spider-Man number two, uh, this is uh, video game stuff, is set to be a much darker game than Insomniac's previous entry in the franchise. Speaking on the latest episode of This Week in Marvel, Bill Roseman, the company's creative vice president, uh, shed some light on the upcoming PlayStation exclusive without giving away too much. He confirmed that the game is going to be a grimmer experience featuring a heavier tone in comparison to both the first game and the uh, Miles Morales spinoff game. Uh, he basically compared uh, this to uh, uh, this uh, second volume as uh, the Empire Strikes Back of the Spider-Man video games. To which I would never thought I would get tired of people comparing things to, but I'm starting to. Mm. <laughs> but hey, I'm looking forward to this regardless. Uh, Wizards of the Coast is making a big budget G.I. Joe game. Wizards of the coast. Yes, folks, the people behind Magic the Gathering. Yeah. But also, wait, aren't they owned by Hasbro? Anyway, regardless, uh, Megatoy brand Hasbro has, through its game division, yep, okay, Wizards of the Coast, uh, opened a game, a video game studio that is, quote-unquote, led by industry veterans from WB Games and other AAA studios. That's according to the job description attached to several listings for new roles. Uh, the studio just referred to as uh, New Raleigh Durham Studio. Ooh, that's close. Uh, we'll be making a G.I. Joe game as its first project. Hey, if y'all are hiring, I, 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 you know, look me, hook me up. I don't know what I could do. Uh, the job ad calls the job ads call it a triple A third person action adventure game, as well as confirming it will be multi platform. Uh, qualifications mentioned in the listing for four roles, technical director, art director, lead game designer, and lead animator. As for experience with uh, Unreal Engine, as well as knowledge of broad video game elements like progression and exploration mechanics. Uh, And this article goes on. I'm just going to sit here and say that, look, Wizards of the Coast, known for Magic the Gathering, great, awesome. Uh, they also they definitely have been getting into uh, other video game properties because they came out earlier this year with that um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance game. It was it was okay. If they were told me if you told me that this was going to be a, a collectible card game like Magic the Gathering, I would be all for this. I'm kind of suspect on the um, on their. Um, their their triple uh, A offering so far their 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 actual game offering so far but we'll see it's got to be mm. better than that other Joe game that came out um, late last year and that that uh, Transformers Battlegrounds game they were horrible oh no yeah I played the Transformers one it was not great I played through that thing like trans it was Transformers and XCOM you would think that's a that would be great it was terrible. Anyway, next up, and it wasn't by them, so that's beside the point. Um, next up. 
George Lucas has joined the Galactic Empire. It's tragic, but it's true since the newest figure in Hasbro's Star Wars, the Black Series toy line, has George Lucas sporting Stormtrooper armor and an E-11 blaster rifle. So um, his it's the newest plastic incarnation of George Lucas, and it's going to arrive next year in 2022, just in time for Lucasfilm's 50th anniversary in commemoration of the founder of the company uh, that gave us all Star Wars. Uh, in addition to the blaster, he comes with a removable helmet and a likeness that is not particularly flattering, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, he's a little short for a stormtrooper. Probably not. I don't know. See, I love that the article says, what can you do? And I got to Brooklynize it and like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> nice. Star Wars droids is a Boba Fett, uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO go vintage with new action figures. Um, some Star Wars fav- favorite Star Wars characters just got the vintage toy treatment thanks to a new collection celebrating droids, the adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO, which is now on Disney Plus, by the way. Uh, an animated series that aired in the late 80s and whose theme song slaps. Uh, released by Hasbro as a part of the Lucasfilm 50th Celebration, the latest Star Wars vintage collection line includes vintage depictions of Boba Fett, R2-D2, and C-3PO, including a special six-inch uh, Black Series version of Boba, according to The Nerdist. Uh, each of the four figurines come individually wrapped in packaging inspired by the classic Kenner toys. So if you are watching the video version, you can see... Um, I remember having an R2-D2, not necessarily from this particular thing, but the R2-D2 uh, from that thing kind of looked like this. It's kind of cool. Um... But yeah, here's the packaging, and here's the figures for those. There's the Boba Fett one. You just saw the C-3PO. There you go. Next. Next up, uh, on the surface, two Star Wars characters that have no reason to be mashed up are Ahsoka Tano and C-3PO. Um, artist Gabriel Dishaw, though, has created an unforgettable mashup of Anakin's droid and Padawan and named it Ahsoka T-3PO, which io9 excitedly it debuted on the website. And uh, Roddy Cat is showing you some photos. That's kind of creepy. It very much is kind of creepy. It's also got a, what's this, this Louis Vuitton thing that's at the base of it. I have, do not know, but yeah, it's kind of creepy. Move right along. Uh, horror legend Bella Lugosi lands the role of a lifetime in this peak at uh, a new graphic biography, which I believe came out this week, actually. Uh, from the illustrator and cartoonist uh, Corin Shadmi, The Twilight Man, Rod Serling, and The Birth of Television, uh, comes graphic biography Lugosi, the, the rise and fall of Hollywood's Dracula. An exploration of the screen legend's life in the same rich black and white tones that shaded most of his uh, his most famous on-screen performance. As the book's title suggests, just because Lugosi was a star, um, forever associated with Bram Stoker's creation Count Dracula, uh, as seen in Todd Browning's 1931 Universal Classic, that doesn't mean his life was charmed. Um... So yeah, this this article goes on talking with uh, the the writer uh, the the writer illustrator, or yeah, the cartoonist illustrator of this about said thing. And like I said, I believe it did come out this week. If you're interested in that, next. Okay. Um... All right, it's Hustle Slaughter, right? Mm-hmm. Following record-breaking order numbers, Boom Studios' Something is Killing the Children spin-off series, House of Slaughter, has delayed its release uh, of its first issue by one week, 
Boom explained that retailers ordered 460,000 copies of House of Slaughter number one, making it the, quote, best-selling original comic book series in Boom Studios history after Keanu Reeves' Berserker. In order to accommodate the volume of orders and ensure quality, House of Slaughter number one, previously slated for release on October 20th, is now going to come out one week later on Wednesday, October 27th. Cool. Last but not least... Charlie Brown and Linus take a trip to Bloom County. Uh, Berkeley Breathed has uh, brought a, a classic comic book strip duo to his Bloom County strip on Facebook. Uh, with Charlie Brown and Linus Van Pelt from Charles, Charles M. Schultz's uh, Peanuts making a cameo alongside Bill the Cat. <laughs> um, Breathed's character Opus the Penguin has been lamenting the loss of his orange pussycat, Bill, for several weeks now, languishing in his uh, bathtub to cope. However, in the comic from September 20, 23rd, Opus finally pulls himself together to, quote-unquote, convert my losses in a stupid pandemical. Um, Opus begins to worry about Bill's state of mind, stumbling about uh, an unfamiliar world, confused, discombobulated, he muses, closing the soliloquy on his knees in front of the steps of Bloom, Bloom County Boarding House. Uh, the final panel reveals Bill wrapped in Linus's security blanket. Linus strikes a familiar pose, grasping the blanket and sucking his thumb with eyes closed. Nearby, Charlie Brown looks on and uh, seems to be taking issue with the situation. So, that's cool. That's kind of neat. A little, um, little uh, comic strip uh, crossover there. Uh, and that is it, folks, uh, for the news and uh, the end of the show. We have one more ad read to go. All right, our last ad read of the night is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and keep then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Billy Joel. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. Ka-ching! That helps us keep the Combo Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. (laughs) And as we... We're going to... We didn't start to fire things a lot more often now. Oh, gosh. Um... So as we come to another end of this here, Combo Chronicles, thank you, each and every one of you fine folks for coming out. Um... I have been Radicat... You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Night Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and all the umbrella sites therein. Maybe Byte, if that even is still a thing. Under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, G- Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris of this ish. You can find him at Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. You can also find him at um, Comic Book Resources, CBR.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. 
You can also find this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Click like and subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Indeed, you can also follow along with us uh, as we record live uh, each week on Thursday nights, 9.30ish p.m. on youtube.com slash theclicknation and at the same time, twitch.tv slash chronicles. Click like and subscribe and click the notification button for when we, so you get notified when we start airing. Indeed. And thanks for uh, folks who were lurking uh, and while we were recording uh, and or said, hey, uh, we appreciate it. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel. And also, like I said earlier, um, happy Inktober to those who are participating. Like our own agent underscore 70. Go check out his Instagram uh, daily. Yep. Let's see how well I can keep up this year. You, you've got this. you got this. All right, folks. This has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. And knowing is half the battle. Good evening, Would you believe it's, it's Dr.